0: Wrestling. we've traveled all day through this infernal forest of nightmares. Now that we've reached the Tower of Stars, I've... I've got to
1: rest, Rast. Put me down. Certainly, my brother.
2: Farewell, Karamon. Rast! You, you can't leave me here! I can't fight them! I don't have the strength! I need you! Perhaps... But you see, my brother, I no longer need you. I have gained your
1: strength, and it has healed me. Now finally, I am as I was meant to be. But for nature's cruel trick, one whole person rust. How does it feel to be weak and afraid, my brother? (laughs)
2: Up ahead! There! Up ahead! It's Caramon. Get those creatures off him! Caramon. And
3: where's his brother? Left him to die, no doubt. Take oh. okay. Raslin, Dennis.
2: Ah, I won't be there now. Watch over him. Uh, Watch over uh, Rastlin? He left you here to die. No, you're
3: not. Dennis, I... I no. sent him away. What did I tell you, Kitiara? Your brother's left him to die.
2: Poor Karaman. Somehow I always guessed it would end this way. So, my little Raslin has become truly powerful. At the cost of your brother's life! Poor kid. Tennis! Come! Look! Oh! No, no, not
3: Taz. Not Antigua. Both dead. There's nothing we can do, Janice. We've got to keep going. We've got to put an end to this. If I do nothing else, I will live to kill
2: Raceland.
3: In a second floor guest room filled with tall ales and taller tales. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents Don't
2: Just We We! I think battle accident. Got it right to the back of Hello, all you
3: fans of hard boiled elven political machinations. This is the Dungeons and Thieves Podcast, Episode 3, Dragons of Winter Night, Part 1. Whether you're Walenesty, SD, Sylvanesti, SD, or Kaganesty, you'll find your bloodline to be treated with respect and dignity at our Tavern Roundtable. I am your host, Bob. When the going gets tough, I reach for my sleep-time tea and go betty by Muralaxis Star Chart the Third. Here to bring you in-depth ruminations on the Speaker of the Sun's divisive tweets. But I'm not alone. Across the table from me, the man who watches boot scenes through his neighbor's walls with his glasses of true seeing, Luke.
1: <laughs> I can't even. You know what? That's hashtag false prophecies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I, this is... Amazing we're we're finally here. We are on the Dragonlance Chronicles volume 2 Part one and question mark. I don't know what's Depending going on. Depending on how far we go, we got a lot of notes. We'll find out. Anyway, let's get this thing kicked off. To my left, he's tougher
2: than a $2 steak. Clob. Hello, younglings. Welcome to episode three. It is Clob, your resident griddled fighter. Your Doc Spurlock wielding a battle axe. A man who may be as proud of his sideburns as Sturm is of his moustaches. <laughs> 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 and always remember, kids, the best way to hide your gold from a gully dwarf is under the soap. <laughs> table for me, we have the big man in the room, the man who still hasn't figured out his plan, the wharf to my Riker. Paul, how are you, my young friend?
0: I'm doing pretty good. You know, the plan, I think, might happen in two or three months, maybe four. Eh,
1: I don't know. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> after, he, after he takes off for one trilogy, he'll think of a plan and come back.
3: Yeah, I like the sound of
1: that. I like that. I like that.
3: Hey, here we are, we're back, uh, here to review the uh, the middle volume, okay? So, so, I'm liking, you know, when you look at a, a play as a whole, there's usually three acts, right? We were in our first act with Dragons of Autumn Twilight, that's where we're introduced to our characters. Um, I, myself, had a lot of issues with that, didn't recommend that book, but I was still looking forward to book two.
1: Actually, coming off of that, we the table as a whole was really divided in half. Right. Bob, you and I, we had some major issues with the book. We rated it fairly low. Yeah. Um, but then, Klob and Paul, you guys were more on board with what was going on. Um, a very interesting take. It's always very interesting to see what where the divide lays. And that's, that's one of
2: the fun things about doing a podcast like this and doing a book review like this with four different people. is It's not just your opinions. It's not just how you saw the book. It's not just how you, know, you felt about the characters. You can actually glom off the different things that the other characters have said. You can get into bitter disagreements. And I think that's something that speaks to Hickman and Weiss here as we go through with the fact that we can all have opinions. We're not all just paper flat about how everybody
3: felt about the book. We each had different ideas, we each had different things going on. Exactly. If you can come to a book thirty over 30 years after it's been written, and we are still talking about it, and having discussions and arguments over it, I think that does speak to the strength uh, of the writing, um, or at least to the legacy of what's been created by Weiss and Hickman here with the Dragonlance series.
0: Absolutely. And I will say too, with all four of us reading these books, I don't know what how you guys are going in while you're reading it. But personally, when I read these books, I try to imagine like it's like I'm a 10, 11, 12 year old reading these books again. And that might be why my recommendations might be higher than others. Things like that is I am trying to go back to when I'm 10, 11, 12 reading through this type of book. I'm definitely not doing that. Oh, that's what I have to do. Otherwise... (laughs) I,
3: I, I like what your idea is there, Paul. And I should probably try to do that. Again, when we're doing this podcast... I find myself. I read the book. I've got the laptop open. I'm I'm typing down notes and everything like that. And I am taking it, you know, kind of from probably where I'm at now uh, in my late thirties, looking at this book. And uh, boy, it would be refreshing to read this through and say, "Hey, I'm ten. What am I going to think of?" Yeah, of this and that, that
1: might be something we've never explicitly said was that we've never read this. Right. We are somewhere between twenty seven, thirty seven. Right. Reading this book for the first
2: time. I'm a little, little older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Twenty seven, thirty-eight Sorry, reading this book.
1: thirty-nine? <laughs> um, so 39? it's you know, we we don't have there's no nostalgia involved here aside from the fact that it kinda comes back to like that whole um Lord of the Rings hobbit feel to it. That's that's about it. Right.
3: And and anybody who is out there listening, uh, who who has read this and was a longtime fan who started reading this. Uh, when when they were young, I get this. There is a huge amount of nostalgia factor that plays into this. I brought this up that I'm a Star Wars fan. I know when Return of the Jedi came out, there was some major hatred going towards Ewoks. Uh, I was a child born in 80, uh, so Return of the Jedi was like my Star Wars, practically, and, and actually saw like Empire Jedi and then jumped back to the first Star Wars. I loved Ewoks, and I thought they were awesome. So uh, I, could, I can see where maybe for some of our listeners, if you, th- you get a little irritated at some of what the, the, you know, the condescension towards this book has been, remember, we don't have the nostalgia. We're coming at it as a fresh late 30-something, late 20-something later, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's one of those things as well where I,
2: kind of along those same lines, looking at it as, you know, somebody who is beating down the door of 40 at this point. Uh, I've looked back, and I'm intentionally looking for the d d things. I want the Dungeons & Dragons things. I want those things that I know from playing the game that can just, you know, pop up here or there, that can speak to me and then can make me go... Oh yeah, I remember playing you know that one campaign that one time twenty five years ago, <laughs> uh, where you know that spell actually happened, or I once played a character who had that particular ability or something like that. And so I've been looking for those things because again, that's my wheelhouse. We each have different wheelhouse. That's one of the reasons it makes doing this podcast so much fun. I agree. Absolutely.
3: Well, I feel like we want to get into this book, but uh, before we get to that, hey. Why don't we grab a few drinks and uh, head on over to the fireplace?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, guys. I got the first round. Let's head on over there. I was in a
2: relationship I swear to you, man. with the woman with the Blue, Blue Dragon. Dragon. She brought did me up to her room last,
3: last did thing? she have good time? Where's day? my corn purse? Why don't you Where fellas fall into my couch? Can I show you how my glorious is good? What'll it be, boys? Tavern talk. All right, so now that we got our drinks, uh, we're down here. We're... We're doing a new segment here. We call it Tavern Talk. We've decided that every episode we're going to take the top of the episode, first 15 minutes or so, uh, to, to kind of go around the round table and talk about things that are happening uh, you know, outside of the books that we're reviewing. You know? So maybe if you don't like the book that we've chosen to review, hey, come on in for the first 15 minutes of Tavern Talk and see if there's something that you like. So what's going on in your universe, Paul? Well, you know, just recently there was a solar eclipse,
0: and a group of friends of mine and myself, we decided... Wait, what? There was a solar
3: eclipse? Uh, You know,
0: some people were a little shocked that that was going on. Yeah, I know.
3: If if this were a crin, nobody would care. (laughs) It's natural. It
0: it happens. Well, some people probably think it's a hologram or something like that, so (laughs) that's something I heard. Uh, So, my friends and I went to Nebraska, I believe Grant Island, Nebraska, so anybody from Nebraska, hey... Shout out, your state. shout out, shout out,
3: we've got it was great. from Nebraska, so yes. It was great,
0: we had fun, uh, it was really cool meeting all sorts of different people and talking to everybody and saw a nice total solar eclipse where apparently a lot of people didn't have. In God, its totality. Yes,
2: <laughs> and that's one of the things, where where I was during Monday during the solar eclipse, it was just gray and cloudy and you got a speck of maybe it's kind of darker now. But you <laughs> I mean, were right, yeah. We we really weren't able to see anything where I was because it was because it was so cloudy. And you know, uh, Bob, you were actually telling me a story earlier about uh, being in the supermarket, I believe. Oh, People yeah. were denying the eclipse. Yeah,
3: so I had to go into work to do a few things, uh, work work with some kids, and then I left. I went to the supermarket, and then and then I I I'm, you know, you make small talk as you go through the checkout lines and everything and i could believe i i I made two stops at two different stores and you know that's of course it's a solar eclipse today i'm kind of an astronomy buff that's what i'm going to talk about to people and it was happening literally within like 15 minutes of when i was in the the store and so i'm like whoa well hey the solar eclipse is about to happen blah 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 and one of the checkout people that i went through was like yeah well it's cloudy out there so i guess it's not happening i'm like oh (laughs) No, I mean, it's still happening, you know, and you could see the marked difference. It, it, it was dark, it was cloudy, but you could tell that for that moment of time, it was getting darker, and, and uh, I could see I was getting nowhere, this explanation of, you know, how Eclipse is happening. <laughs> Went to another store and tried to make kind of the same small talk, whoa, that Eclipse, I think we're like almost right into it right now, I think it's almost as, as much as it's going to go, and she's like... Well, I don't understand. Eclipses make things brighter. I mean, it's supposed to get brighter out there. It's that, just, I, I I determined that nobody in America know nothing about astronomy. Well,
0: <laughs> the people I was talking to did, and I will say I got to see the total eclipse, the corona around the moon, and even the. I believe it's the diamond where just a tiny little slit goes through a valley in the moon. Oh, that's awesome. And that that is the only time you can use it without, or you can view it without the glasses. Otherwise... Wear your glasses. It <laughs> hurts.
2: Now I have to ask: Were you blasting "Total Eclipse of the Heart" while this was going on? <laughs> as soon as we
0: entered into the, in the town that we knew we were staying in, yeah, we were. <laughs> oh yeah, that windows were down and we were blasting that. Oddly, we weren't the only people that were blasting that in the parking lot that we were sitting in. So it's great.
3: I I heard the that "Total Eclipse of the Heart." The uh, the artist who sings that song, who is it? Does it? Oh, I have no uh, idea. I was just going to look it up, but um, uh, but she actually was on like a cruise yes. ship, and she, she sang that song as the eclipse was as happening. The,
0: and if you listen to the song lyrics, it's kind of creepy.
3: If, if you listen <laughs> to the
0: song lyrics, it very much is creepy. Go back and listen to those lyrics once bo- you're done with the podcast. It's a little body, Tyler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. I love that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, um, it was great, though. I will, I will wholeheartedly say, anybody, if you have an opportunity, go and view it. It might be a drive. It was for myself and some friends. Uh, the next one is 2024, April. It's going from Mexico all the way up through Maine into Canada. I'd highly recommend it.
2: I love the fact that you're planning for 2024, and I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to make it through this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Luke, what about you? Well... Uh, summer twenty seventeen. just going I'll take it all in as a whole. Um, you know, it's been yeah, definitely a lot of Dragon Lands. Not supposed to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I never really. I never really made, made my way to the cinema. I never really. I'm a huge Marvel movie buff. I you know Iron Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, The Avengers, all of it. Um, <clears throat> Spider Man Homecoming came out didn't go and see it. I don't know. I I enjoyed him in Civil War, but I just feel like I've been beat over the head with Spider-Man movies, like ever yeah. since I was like twelve years I'm, old. I don't know what's going on. I going to
0: say this and this might get some hate. I feel like I've been beat over the head by superhero movies at this point. Mm. I'm sorry. I'll, be, I'll definitely give you hate. Yeah, you're gonna I'm, get hate in I'm this sorry. room. I'm sorry. I like I know I am, and <laughs> I, I might get hate on the internet from it, but I like superhero movies. I like all of them, but at the same time I'm I'm ready for a little change. I'm looking forward to some of the newer ones that seem to be a little different, that not just the same thing over and over again.
3: Well, I'd come at it from an... I have not seen Spider-Man Homecoming, but what I've some of the things that I've heard about it have been actually pretty positive about it. One of the things that I, I heard about the movie that I liked was that the stakes in this movie were actually fairly small. There wasn't like... The world is coming to an end. It was just kind of pretty much a small kind of block fight. Okay. Which I like. Hey, that harkens back to old Spider-Man, where it's kind of more a villain of the week, but the stakes aren't really high. They're just kind of stealing something. You're stopping the theft. I feel like some superhero movies need to kind of start returning to that formula because you can't have every superhero movie be stopping the galaxy from imploding.
0: And that interests me more than the Galaxy and at this point it's because more personal. it's more personal and there's I'm sorry, but when you've saved when you have saved the world eight times, I expect you to save it the ninth time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and,
2: and being the old guy and Bill comic book guy, I like that too because of the fact that it, it harkens back to the comics. It harkens back mm-hmm. to the original comics. Harkens back to Spider-Man takes care of Manhattan and right. New York. Yeah. Daredevil is, you know, micromanaging the hell out of four blocks in Hell's <laughs> Right, right. And that's really, yeah. that, that microcosm was what made, when you brought them all together for that cataclysmic event, so right. powerful. Right. But like you said, what it's always a cataclysmic event, what are you gonna do? I'm super looking forward to reg- Thor Ragnarok. Oh yes!
3: Yeah.
1: Oh Thor Ragnarok! Just that at has the got previews. me yeah. just revved up. Trailer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, looking
2: at the trailers, that throwback mentality that they're doing with the trailers, which is again a complete thing off Guardians of the Galaxies, which right. I'm obsessed with, and I watch almost yes. like once
3: or twice or maybe three times a week. <laughs> 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 right. I, I feel like Marvel is, with Disney is is doing a really smart thing in in that they. With guardians of the galaxy kind of a movie that i think nobody thought except for probably fans were gonna was gonna get any traction you know mm-hmm. here we've got this giant tree and we've got you know a raccoon and everything it, it, it knew that things were ridiculous in it it pointed them out it had fun it was great uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time guardians, yep. guardians of the galaxy absolutely and it does this throwback 70s thing And that it's bringing into, it brought into volume two. I feel like they took two of their kind of, I won't say unpopular characters, but you have Thor that, you know, has its legion of fans. And at the same time, I think of all of those Marvel movies, Thor has sometimes but its most problems, gaining a following. And then, and Hulk, which is notoriously very difficult to do a standalone movie with. They're gonna buddy those two up throw in that awesome 70s 80s mm-hmm. flair. I mean these advertisements and posters I'm loving the that one poster that came up is so throwback uh, I just love it
2: and I'm loving the fact that we, we we've had a hulk here now within the last couple within the Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe right. where I actually believe Bruce Banner <laughs> I, I, I love Mark Ruffalo I hated Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. love Mark Ruffalo because Mark Ruffalo very much reminds me of Bill Bixby oh. in the '70s, The Incredible Hulk TV show, right. where he's not happy all the time he's not mad all the time he occasionally throws a joke in but you can tell that there's just that brimming stuff that Bill Bixby had going on <laughs> yeah
3: uh, I, I'm, I'm an unabashed angry. i'm an unabashed fan of the bill bixby era of hulk i love that stuff i got the whole box set on dvd Watch him with the kids my my kids Love it. They 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 ask. You know, some they'll just sit on the couch and they'll just be like, "Hey, Dad, put in a Hulk," yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I love the fact that
2: I was at your house the other day, and all of a sudden, you're what. Eight? Seven? Uh, nine-year-old. Nine, your nine-year-old daughter is sitting at the piano playing the Lonely Man thing for <laughs> all, Completely on her own. Wasn't requested, she just went over, sat at the piano, starts playing the Lonely Man and She thing. does like to show it off. She's
3: like, your friends are over. I'm going to play the Lonely Man <laughs> <So, yeah.
1: laughs> She knows. My summer hasn't completely been just avoiding the cinema. Um, I have finally caught up on the latest season of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Peter Capaldi's last season. And I got to say, it's really getting to me maybe it's just you know at this point I've watched so much Doctor Who where the season finale comes up and then it ends on a cliffhanger because the Christmas special is coming up and you're going to end it with just the most awesome interpretation of the guy who played the first Doctor
2: oh spoiler yeah,
1: you know what? Uh, yeah, spoiler.
2: <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I caught up on my Who this su- or I, I caught up on my Who this mm. summer. I'm a Capaldi. I I've been a Capaldi. You're guy the from biggest the Capaldi
1: guy I know. It's because he's you. <laughs> well, it's he's you. You had the
2: ca- you, you've always had the catchphrases with Doctor Who going back sixty, you know, fifty, sixty years. And I love the fact that we came from the bouncing around guys. Which don't get me wrong, I love Tennant mm. as well. But I, you know the Alonzi. and then you go to Matt Smith, who I kind of I'm still kind of okay with. And you know Geronimo, and then you have Capaldi, whose catchphrase is "Shut up, shut up." <laughs> I, did,
0: I will say the first Doctor that I watched—I'm blanking on his name—Isaacson, uh, probably Isaacson, uh, I, Eccleston, uh, Eccleson, Eccleson. I did Eccleston. like the fantastic because it was, fantastic. yeah, all those things. Uh, mm. uh, those catchphrases are yeah. good. i "Shut been, up" is amazing.
2: "Shut up" is amazing. I've been, I love that. I've also caught up on my Thrones through last season. I haven't watched any of this oh, season yet, but I've caught up on just my game of sports it. there. Oh. Um, it's one of those things that Bob's brought up a couple times. You know, we have kids, so that's one of those shows where you can't sit and watch it with the kids. Are <laughs> right? right? sure? It's got to be after bedtime, um, as you go through. Uh, I've actually jumped genres a little bit on us, too, because mm-hmm. I love doing a bunch of crime readings. I love, tr- uh, I love uh, realistic crime readings. And so I read a lot of John Sanford with the Prey and the Virgil Flower novels. I'm just reading this new guy right now called Stephen James, oh. which is all about serial killers. And they are all these interlocked books with chess pieces and serial killers and stuff. Okay. And so that's just um, kind of where I've been going. I've also jumped into the Dragons of Dwarven Depths, <laughs> which if you don't know what that is, if you've read book one of Dragonlance and you've jumped you've come to Dragons of Winter Night and you realize that there's a huge time gap and a bunch of stuff that goes on in between. Dwarven Depths is the book that they wrote 25 years later. (laughs) To right. fill in that hole, and it actually answers a lot of questions. And I'm going to try not to spoil the book when we finally get there for you. Um, but it it does answer a lot of things that I think the other guys around the table who haven't read that particular book ha- are going to have issues oh, with when man. we go into I'm, here.
3: I'm going to need you to fill in some uh, some things for me. I'm excited to hear what you have to say have to say about that. Um, yeah, in terms of, of me uh, and what I've been been doing. Uh, Dragonlance, obviously, I mean, starting up kind of a podcast and doing Dragonlance and finding out that Dragonlance is a huge universe unto itself, and kind of my neuroses of being a completist is coming into conflict with just how large a universe Dragonlance actually is. Uh, Actually, big... Shout out uh, to Preacher Man on, on eBay, because I just got a big lot of Dragonlance novels. Oh, uh, it was
1: like over, what, hundred? Yeah,
3: like a hundred and twenty-something uh, Dragonlance uh, novels. He was uh, leaving, uh, hoped his novels would uh, go to a good home. I, I hope he thinks this is a good home, um, but... I have this horrible compulsion that I have to read everything Dragonlance, even though those of you who have listened probably are like, "But Bob, you didn't even recommend the first one." But I have read through a lot uh, so far, and I'm I'm actually really there's enough there that I'm I'm sticking with the series, and, and I am enjoying it. I do love these characters. Uh, I'm not an outsider hating on the series. I do I do like the series. Other than that, though, cinematically, um, club you said we're parents don't always have time to. To watch uh, movies, so I have been catching up on some really old kind of sci-fi that came out a while ago. Uh, but finally, the wife and I were able to sit down and kind of plow s- through some stuff. Watch the movie, The Arrival, um, that Amy Adams movie that came out about kind of alien aliens coming to Earth. And you had, you had a lot of good stuff to say about that, didn't you? Um, here's what I would say: tempered by distance, Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, upon a repeat viewing. Um, Sitting there the first time. The movie is slow, I thought. The arrival is slow. I I know there's people who really like it, people who who don't like it. It's super slow. Um, I didn't think they did a a really great job of making a compelling, for me anyway, aliens uh, and kind of speaking through these symbols. I thought it was cool. It's the last five minutes of the movie that made it for me. I'm not too big to say that my wife and I were both in tears sitting on the couch. Uh, watching this, maybe it was it's something to do with kids. I, you know, my, my one daughter was sleeping on me at the time. Maybe it's something about like it's very much about parents and their relationship to kids and things. I guess is really all I can say. I don't want to spoil it for you because that last five minutes, you'll either at that time have fallen asleep <laughs> or it will it will move you to tears. I know. For me, the arrival was really really good. I watched Passengers. I mean, we talked kind of about. um um, Guardians of the Galaxy. That one has Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. That was the oh, one. Yeah. That was the one that I fell asleep in. Oh, really? My wife and I really like that. I love that moral. That there's. Have you guys, either of you, no, seen no. Uh, the past? But years? I don't know that I would have. Uh, okay, you know it's not bad. I like be. both those actors. Yep. But I don't.
1: I would just never say- grab me.
3: It is worth a, a watch. I'll, uh, I won't spoil it, but let me just throw out kind of the plot thread. And see if you like this, because to me, this was old school sci-fi. The kind of sci-fi I like to to read that that is you know throws a kind of a moral problem uh, in space and has you wrestle with it. You know, they're on this ship that's traveling to a new colony. It's eighty five some years that'll take the ship to get there. On the way there, you know, the ship is damaged and everybody's in these life pods. You know, and and, and Chris Pratt wakes up his wakes up and so then in about a year's time he's trying to live on the ship and keeps going back to the pod that jennifer lawrence is in and kind of forms kind of a relationship with her to her you know just by watching videos of her and staring at her through the glass and being creepy (laughs) and then then finally comes down to this thing of like what if i made it so it looked like her pod just malfunctioned like mine you know, and then she could be with me because there's no way he can go back to sleep mm. and so he knows I'm going to live and die on this ship for the next 80 years. What if I wake her up? And it's really good because then she wakes up and it starts out as this beautiful romance and then she finds out. She finds out really
1: and then towards the end you get the Disney twist and they actually do fall in love. Well, okay. Maybe. I, I've never, I, I don't know, I didn't know anything about that plot in that movie.
3: Uh, yeah. Did, yeah did, did I call you, it? You probably nailed it right <laughs> on the head. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I'm a sucker. But I did like it. I, hey, I did, here's here's the thing. Being a really hardcore sci-fi fan, we get so few hardcore sci-fi storylines that ever see the light of day. I, I'm I'm good with passengers. Like like I'll give it Go watch it because I want Hollywood to make more of these style movies.
1: If so. I hate it, I'm I'm gonna call you immediately.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's no guns in it. <laughs> I didn't see boobs once. <laughs> one thing though, the thing that did have guns in it, Aliens Covenant, Alien Covenant. I did see that one, so um, and that that was okay. You know, Ridley Scott fan. Uh, I'm I don't know. Um, okay. I, I have no expectation. After Prometheus, I don't have high expectations for the Alien franchise. As long as it's better than, uh, you know, AVP, yeah. I'm fine. And that, that,
1: that's easy. I, you, yeah. and you are the one who kind of drew me back into the Alien yeah. franchise. What, the only thing I had known about the Alien franchise before you know, we knew each other yeah. was... That was that movie my mom had on that one time that scared the absolute crap yes. out of me. Is, that
0: is exactly what I was thinking yeah. too. Oh, exactly oh what I god.
1: was thinking. The guy, I, like, I mean, like you know, being a kid watching it, and there's just all of a sudden that guy had milk coming out of him. Oh my god! That was like the guy had milk no, coming out of him. There's like, yep. yeah, I, I know it's Bishop now. <laughs> as, yeah. as a kid, th- that guy had milk coming out of him. There's that weird black thing that just murders everybody. Oh, I never
0: want to watch so, this so, ever. So I was gonna say, no, I. That is my memory. thought of it. Is yeah. when I I, wa- I must have seen, I must have walked in, and it was terrifying. And just
3: uh, I, don't and know, I, will terrifying. Ha- I will have to rewatch it. I think there's so many, especially with those first, the first movie for sure. There's so many weird levels. The guy who designed Alien, you know that which now everybody knows, H.R. Giger, is a disturbed genius. You, you see, know?
1: it has to be very, very strange.
3: Strange. It, it, yeah, <laughs> listening to him on kind of the behind the scenes stuff described things. I. Oh, my God. I would never want to be in a room alone with him. <laughs> but the stuff he designs has this weird sexual quality. I mean, we'll go back watch Alien with his weird sex things in mind. you know, it's so disturbing because really, the face huggers are orally raping people, <laughs> yeah. You know, and implanting seeds into them, and everything looks either like vaginal openings, or I, it is disturbing on kind of that base kind of gut level, and for some reason I like it, which I don't know what that <laughs> says about me, okay? Well,
1: but- on that bombshell.
2: <laughs> if you... Are a psychiatrist or a psychologist listening to this email podcast. Email us. Please email us at DungeonAndDweavePodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Perfect. True. Uh, well, you know what? My beer is empty. Why don't we uh, grab another round um, and let's start talking about what the heck these people downloaded this thing for.
2: Yeah. Oh, the actual, talk about the... oh the actual second book. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey. Talk about this.
1: You know what? And I, I bought the last round, so one of you guys is going to have to figure that out. I'm
0: driving I the car, it. Adam, I can't You're do driving. It. I
2: got it. Wake up first. Ooh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a DeLorean, isn't it? Scales were always in my favor. I might have driven a DeLorean here. I pull up a chair,
1: friend. Ah! All right, so we got our drinks. Uh, Dragons of Winter Night, Dragonlance Chronicles, Volume 2, Book 1 of 3. I don't know how far we're going to get here because there's so much going on. Oh, it's dense. And Bob... You were tasked with the synopsis, so why don't you give it to us?
3: Oh, all right, people. If you got to go up, if you know what happens in this book and you need to go to the fridge, go to the fridge. This is a tough one. This is a long one. All right.
2: Buckle up. Buckle up,
3: buckos. (laughs) Dragons of Winter Night Synopsis. Dragons of Winter Night by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. TSR Publishing, 1985. In our last adventure, the Companions were successful in freeing the prisoners of Pax Tharkis and defeating the dreaded dragon Highlord Verminard. But the battle for Kryn is far from over and our heroes continue to battle against the dark forces of Takesis, who threaten to destroy and enslave the continent. Our book opens with the refugees from Pax Tharkis taking shelter within the dwarven halls of Thorbarden. Some time has passed between now and our last adventure, and the companions have just returned with a legendary hammer to give to the dwarves. But the refugees don't want to stay in the dwarven halls, and the decision is made to seek refuge in the coastal city of Tarsus. But as the companions arrive at Tarsus, what was once a beautiful harbor city is now a landlocked ruin of its former glory. In the city, our heroes meet Alana Starbreeze, an elven princess looking for help in rescuing her father, and a group of Solomnic Knights, led by Derek Crownguard, who are intent on being complete asshats. (laughs) We also (laughs) learn of the Dragon Orbs, an ancient artifact capable of controlling dragons. But unknown to our heroes, they are being pursued by another dragon highlord. The city of Tarsus is attacked by dragons, and our heroes are forced to separate. Tennis Half Elven, Riverwind, Goldmoon, Caramon, Raceland, and Tika are rescued by Alana Starbreeze, while Stern, Brightblade, Flint, Fireforge, Castlehoff, Burfoot, Gilthanas, Lorana, and Elliston escape with Derek Crownguard and his knights. Tannis and company escape on the backs of griffins to Sylvanesti, the ancient elven homeland. There they find Sylvanesti to be a land of nightmares. Our heroes are forced to battle their deepest fears and defeat a great green dragon which resides in the Tower of Stars. Victorious, Tannis and company gain control of a dragon orb and decide the safest thing to do is to take it to Sancrist, stronghold of the Salomnic Knights. Meanwhile, the group led by Sturm travels to Icewall Glacier and retrieves yet another dragon orb. On their return, they are pursued by a great white dragon and eventually are shipwrecked off Urgoth, current residents of all three factions of elves who get along about as well as my relatives. While in Urgoth, they meet <laughs> Silvara, a beautiful elf with silver hair, and Theros Ironfeld, human blacksmith, both help the group flee the political machinations of the elves. Pursued by the elves, the group decides to split up. Sturm and Derek will take the dragon orb to Sanchrist, while the rest, led by Silvara, will lure them away. Silvara takes them to the tomb of Huma, where they meet Fisben. Hooray! And Silvara is revealed to be a silver dragon in human form. The group gets busy making dragon lances, so Kryn can be saved from the dragon apocalypse. During all this, brave leader Tanis is heading up a magic and stripper show. Back <laughs> in Sandris, nobody cares about possible genocide <laughs> by dragons either. As law and order, the Sturm trials ensue. Dun dun. <laughs> Back in the port town of Flotsam, where Tanis and his traveling show have gone to ground, Tanis wanders the streets when he bumps into his ex-girlfriend Kidiara. Turns out she's the dragon high lord that has been pursuing them. So Tannis sacrifices himself for the good of the group and falls into bed with her. Four days. <laughs> Boot scene. All the rest of our heroes have finally met up in San Crist, And Law and Order Solomnia has been put <laughs> on hold due to the overwhelming threat of invasion. Everything hinges on our heroes being able to hold the High clarist's Tower, which protects the mountain pass to San Crist. The tragic final battle rages as armies clash over the embattled walls of the tower. Tasselhoff discovers that the tower is actually an elaborate dragon trap, and Lorana uses the dragon orb to lure dragons to their fate. But the revelation does not come in time, and in order to give Lorana the chance to use the dragon orb, the mighty hero, Sturm, must sacrifice himself in order to save his friends. Sturm's body is buried with honor beneath the tower. His passing is eulogized by an impassioned Lorana who pleads for unity. The novel ends far away in Sylvanesti, with Alana Starbreeze at the grave of her father. We are left to wonder the fate of Tannis, Raceland, Riverwind, Goldmoon, Caramon, and, of course, the beautiful and buxom Tika. Everybody's wow. still there. You still listening? Whoo! That's a lot here.
1: I didn't read that, and I'm winded right now. <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, I, I am impressed right now, Bob. That was good.
3: <laughs> that is a lot to go through. This is a large, large novel. Let me tell you, um, Weiss and Hickman, in their annotations, uh, both call Dragons of Winter Night in this trilogy as being the favorite of the three books. They even say this is like you know the darkest one, you know, in that whole three three different acts, the middle act, you know, you learn your first, uh, you you learn all the characters in the first act, you put them up against the bad guy, bad guy's usually defeated, then in the middle one, character development, and they go down the darkest hole possible so that you're left wondering what's going to happen um they're calling this their empire strikes back
1: well Um, that's quite the statement (laughs)
3: that is a statement dragons of winter night (laughs) the empire strikes back of the dragonlance chronicles so let's get into it this book starts off uh with another um poetry piece by Michael Williams called The Song of the Nine Heroes. D- did it? Because I'll be honest, I skipped it. Ah, I, I went uh, right yeah. over that. I, I'm, right, I'm right, right with
0: you,
1: Paul. I'm right with
3: you. Okay, so I had renewed vigor in this. Uh, I read it. I'm like, okay, we're starting new. We're starting fresh. I am going to read this Song of the Nine Heroes. It's not bad. Um, uh, again, now that I've learned the characters, and I'm going into this one, it's just about the characters. Little tiny little pieces about each character uh, of our heroes
1: i was just i was burned by all the uh poetry and song of dragons of autumn night it right. was just
2: i was too much well and we, i was really looking forward to as we had talked about in the last podcast of uh weiss and hickman being able to break away uh, a little bit more from what Uh, TSR and what a lot of the other or what the other management companies were trying to shove into the book because we We had mentioned we always felt like that poetry was somebody world building going, well, we need some poetry here We need (laughs) a song (laughs) Stuffing it in there and doing it that way Um, So I was looking forward to getting away for that and then all of a sudden you open up to page one and it just
3: (laughs) Right Right. in your face. And, And I don't mind the the kind of the aspirations of that. Hey, we're going to do these poetry pieces and stuff, and I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm, I'm not your poetry guy, so I can't tell you that they're necessarily bad or good. You know, uh, as far as fantasy goes, I, again, have to always throw it back to Tolkien, which, for me, that felt, his stuff, maybe because he's a linguist, whatever, felt very historical. It, it felt like it was epic in the way that, like, the Mabinogion or some other ancient, uh, you know, writing, it felt on par with that. Whereas this definitely feels like you know, uh, more of the kind of poetry that would be at the beginning of any kind of maybe modern video game that's trying to be, you know, uh, epic and fantastic or something. Well, and I
2: think the time jump we do here, which, yes, I understand you've even said that this is your Empire Strikes Back, and there's a huge distance between Star- between New Hope and Empire. Right, right. Um, But there is that, there's such a massive time jump here where all of a sudden we're just, boof, we're in the prelude here. Yep. Yeah and all of a sudden we're in a different place than we left off in the last book. We're at different things are going on. Where are
3: we? What's going on? Right. I mean we, we we end up there's again they like to do these prelude chapters um so we get the you know the poem and then we get this thing called the hammer. Um yeah, we're in Thorbarden, the the this dwarven city. Um Elliston is presenting this hammer, uh the hammer of Karis, uh to the leader of the dwarves. Um and then we get all these kind of personal fights between Sturm and Tannis and things. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of things have gone on between the two books. I don't know what's gone on. I mean, we're, I'm thrown into a situation, I don't know if this is the right move for the book or not. Well, and you look at what they originally did, they originally did this
2: aspect where we jump into uh, Thornboden and we jump into, okay, we're with the dwarves, and the refugees are being housed with the dwarves, but they're not happy, and all these different things that are going on. So 25, 30 years later, they went and rewrote Dragons of the Dwarven Depths. I mean,
1: better late than never. Better late than never
2: to fill in those parts. And I will say, like I said a little bit earlier in the show, reading that one fills in so many gaps and so many things as to why we have Sturm kind of being a. Sturm talking about stealing the hammer. Right, that our great knight of Salamnia, our great man who was supposed to be living by the code,
3: all of a sudden wants to commit petty theft. <laughs> <laughs> I've got issues with that. I just got to say, before I get to, because I've got a lot to say about Sturm, I'm looking at this going, is this where I would start a fantasy novel? Is that we're going to start with a bunch of... We're at the tail end of another adventure we haven't seen. Uh, my instinct would be that you should start... If your, if your continent is being invaded... You'd start off with some sort of battle, yep. and let's see the the heroes. Are, you know, our heroes are are engaged in some sort of struggle.
1: Yeah, this... start exciting. Like I, it was the end of Dragons of Autumn Night was just epic. Yeah, and now it's just kind of like, well, stuff happened that you don't know about. And we're gonna start off super dry with dwarven politics. Right. Like, you, just rele- want...
3: you just released the refugees from Pax Tharkis, right? Maybe you're being pursued, and you're trying to get them to the refugee to, to the refuge at Thorbarden. right? Like that's what it should be. Let me guess. The club is about losing <laughs> his stuff, I'm flailing a book dwarven, around at us.
2: Dwarven depths, right?
3: Now. That's, <laughs> that's what the book is. That's, that's what, what the book is. is. How many? That's how many years? How many years later? Yeah, did that Thirty come out? years later. This is what should have been fixed here. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Idea, but that—that's—that's what you should have started this book out. Is this, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back? It watch Empire Strikes Back. You start off pretty much with the four-legged walkers attacking Hoth base,
2: and you have this aspect too, which again to make another Star Wars reference because we constantly do that. As much crap as much crap as I'm going to give the prequels, you don't start off Phantom Menace (laughs) with the Senate scene. I have that
0: in my notes. Boring. Star Wars Senate. That is that is literally I'm like, no, I
2: cannot do this. Give me a chapter of Jedi flipping around and doing tricks and throwing yes. things around to get me back to get me into the universe, to get me back right. into the book. Don't start with the Senate. Don't start with I don't care about dwarven politics at this point. I
3: wanna watch Sturm or Tannis do something cool with their sword. Right. And okay, here's the part then, now getting into this Sturm Tannis thing, something that I really don't get, and again, I was going into this going, okay, second book, their darkest one, the one they call the good one, the one that, you know, they've been released from the TSR tethers, okay, let's see what happens. We're not even into chapter one, and already I'm having all kinds of major plot problems here. Sturm is talking about how this hammer that they've acquired uh, is kind of the linchpin, the piece that is used to make dragon lances. Like, this this is the hammer that is used, used to forge dragon lances. So far, we are in the dragon lance series. We don't have a dragon lance. We're being invaded by dragons, and you have the the... The hammer that makes dragon lances, we're going to just leave it with the dwarves. Sturm is ticked. He's like, we need to get this to the knights. We need to make dragon lances. I'm with Sturm. You get the the hammer. This is your only means of salvation. Why are you giving it to the dwarves? It's not even to get the dwarves on their side. It's one of the things that is explained, and I'll try not to ruin
2: dwarven depths for those of you out there who are going to read it as well, but the hammer is rent. We have these 800 refugees that are now inside the Dwarven Kingdom. The price for taking the refugees is, in was the hammer. Uh, but that's never fully explained in the beginning here, so I understand completely where you're coming from. Luke, you were going with something. I'm
1: and take. i just going to take it back to what Bob had started with, that this book was kind of the beginning of uh, Weiss and Hickman not having to adhere to... Dungeons and Dragons modules. Right. And even, I'm going to take it a little bit further, I, I listened to a podcast. Uh, shout out real quick to the RPG Brewery. First of all, dude, I would buy you a beer anytime. Uh, he, he did a, an interview with Margaret Weiss, and in that interview, what I picked up was not only were they not adhering to the modules anymore, but Margaret Weiss was just writing the books. Tracy Hickman was focusing on the modules, and they would come back and forth just to make sure everything was in sync. And I was really excited for all this, you know. I, my, my, one of my biggest problems with Dragons of Autumn, not uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, <laughs> was it felt so manufactured and artificial. In the f- yeah, and
3: yeah that you could you see the module. You
1: could you could, you could. Yeah, yeah. I, It was it was so. I, I. The fact that you could see that was so bad. Right. But, I mean, I still, I read the book. I, I had a good time. I had a good enough time to go on to book two. Yeah. Uh,
3: it was like a good first attempt at a really good stew. Everybody brought their meat and vegetables, kind of threw it into the pot, and it kind of half. Yeah, Yeah, it, yeah. Right. it they, was okay. They
1: really weren't sure what they were doing, yeah. and just yeah. like something kind of good came out the other end, but then the next time around, they like... I choked a little bit <laughs> on some,
3: some of the vegetables, but it was all right. Oh,
1: is this... Is this, is this did you not take the, the bone out? Is this yeah. the <laughs> stew? Yeah,
3: yeah. Stop using turnips. There's a lot of stone soup here. Yeah. So it's I, I'm coming
1: into this optimistic, and they're not really the dwarven city is a little dry. I understand that it's it's necessary that you know we got all these refugees in there, and it's it's building a sense of danger in the world that we have to save these refugees. The only way we can save these refugees is to. Give up this hammer?
3: Actually, actually, Luke. Uh, to me, none of this is necessary whatsoever. Really? I mean, yeah, you've got a you've got a hammer that you're not going to use. You're going to throw away, even though it's the key to surviving this dragon apocalypse. You'll just give it to the dwarves. Uh, Again, you start this out on an adventure, on a high note, on some sort of battle. They should have just been being pursued by the dragons right to Tarsus. You skip this whole thing with the dwarves altogether. You start off with this this high point, this adventure of them being chased right into Tarsus, skip this hammer thing. So you're saying you didn't enjoy Krabby Sturm and Emotanus? <laughs> oh!
2: Not at God.
0: all! Emotanus can leave. Please. I,
2: I, I understand. I won't say that I like Emotanus. I won't say that I like <laughs> depression trying to figure out life Tannis. But I understand Tannis because I read this whole idea as here Sturm wants to take the hammer, steal the hammer, run away, save the world. Right. And Tannis is looking at this from a different perspective going, I don't know if I can save the world, but I can save these 800 people right now. Right. And so that's that's how I read it. That's one of the things that I looked at it with his mopey claustrophobic <laughs> aspects that go in here. Um, so I understood it from that aspect, I can respect it, I can respect it from Tennis's point of view here, going, I have control
3: over saving these 800 people. Right. I don't know if I'm going and, to be able to save the world. And I could see it if I actually ended up believing that that ends up what the stakes are, is that, okay, Tannis, either we can save the 800 refugees, or we can save the world in kind of a Star Trek Spock, and, and uh, Captain Kirk kind of thing, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. But they blow that all out of the water then when we get to chapter one, because the refugees don't even want to stay in Thorbardin, and they're just all permitted. They all decide, just we're going to leave, we're going to go to Tarsus. Okay, so so what was your plan, Tannis and Elliston? So you're going to sacrifice your only means of defeating the dragons and creating a dragonlands. Uh, I think By that, giving it to the dwarves, and then you're saying, "Oh, thank God, we finally saved the 800 refugees." Oh, never mind, they don't want to stay. We'll go to Tarsus. Do you want to live in a cave? I get that. But...
1: I, I think it speaks to the desperation of the situation. Like we have to keep these people safe. We have this hammer that we could use to potentially build these weapons to save our butts. Right. But we have to keep these people safe. The only way we can keep them safe is by giving it up.
3: I, well, it's... and then for me throwing the book against the wall. It turns out that this hammer isn't even necessary to make the dragon. We'll There's get necessary. there, Bob. Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> I, I will say, I think this also goes to show
0: that after the Cataclysm, the races did not want to be together. They, they really always wanted to be separate and things like that. I know.
2: And I... It's not even so much that they don't want to be together as in the fact that everything was kind of humming along to the cataclysm. Right. And then every race blames the other race for the cataclysm. Right. The dwarves blame the humans. The humans blame the elves. The elves blame the humans. Right. Um, you know the Kinder just skip around and go, "Hey, new cool things." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love the Kinder. But everybody awesome. does it, and something we have to remember here, and something that isn't driven home hard enough, I think, mm-hmm. when we're going through this whole dwarven senate scene, right, is yep. the fact that. Until Raceland and Tannis magically show up and somehow opened the door here. Right. These people have, the dwarves in here haven't been outside for 300 years. Right, They right. haven't had any contact with anybody outside their citadel inside the mountain for 300 I, years. I so. just want to
0: say something.
1: That cave must have
0: stunk.
2: <laughs> if there's... I,
0: I'm still... Oh, a man. Dwar- I mean,
1: dwarves are masters of living on underground. <laughs>
0: yeah, I still feel dwarves.
1: like you get...
2: Ooh. Yeah. Dirty <laughs> little garbage fraggles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag garbage fraggles. Um, yeah, we, we get sad, mopey Tannis that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Him, yeah. him and Lorana are having some a little lover's... Qu- wait, they're not lovers. A little... Potential lovers quarrel. What would you a call little
3: this? bit of a quarrel. Yeah, I didn't mind this part, and maybe because my my mind was like looking for something that I I loved out of this chapter. I I did like that they wrote wrote that the two moons, two of the three moons, were rising behind them, and one you know the red and the the silver kind of maybe reflecting you know Lorana and a little a
1: little Star Wars episode kind of seven for you as the blue and red <laughs> yeah. shift.
3: Yeah, kind of like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kind of on the nose,
2: but I, I'm, it's okay. I'm it's okay. okay. It's cool. Well, we get this little we get a couple of these paragraphs in here, which actually is an info dump. Yes. Of why we're here and how we got here. And for me, this was, um, this was Han and Leia running through, the, running through Hoth as things are breaking down, going, I was never even supposed to
3: stay here. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh. true. It's true. Well, hey, it's not like none of us really wanted to stay in Thorbarden, and neither do the refugees. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, I cha- can't them. It, Very well whee- written. written. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in chapter, in chapter one, you know, the first official chapter, uh, we're leaving. Uh, we are going to bet everything on going to Tarsus. And I don't want to keep belaboring this, uh, and I don't want to keep acting like I'm downing on this, but this just undermines everything that happens in the hammer. You have this huge thing where our two big players, Sturm and Tannis, are getting angry at each other and yelling at each other about what to do with the hammer and saving these refugees and whatever. We're gonna We're going to bet it all on going to a city that nobody's been to in the last...
2: Another city that another city that nobody's talked to anybody for 300 yeah, years.
3: Yeah, you have no idea. But, you are gambling, Tanis, with this, what's this, going on with these this, refugees. This part about
1: Tarsus makes sense, though. It, the, the reason nobody has talked to anybody in yes. Tarsus is because of these dwarves and their big, dumb gate. No,
2: no, we're <laughs> on the other side of the hill.
1: Yeah, it's they, <laughs> they have closed it off. This is the only path to Tarsus from the south. Right. And these dwarves, nah, we're not going to let you through. <laughs> uh, and I guess that's something in D- dwarven depths, dragons in the dark or something. Yes. Um, <laughs> hashtag dragons after dark. I'm hashtagging so much this episode. Uh, um,
2: uh,
3: hashtag. Nobody can say hashtag dragons. the rest of this episode. I'm so, I'm I so, I'm I, so I, sorry. I am done with hashtagging. I, I, you, <laughs> you, you
1: guys, I, 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 don't, I don't even hashtag on the internet. I don't know why I'm doing it on this podcast. I'm that
2: annoying guy that hashtags hashtags on Facebook because I know it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: funny to watch people get mad about it. So I, I, anyway, we... um. They do eventually decide to leave. Yes. Yes. But then we, we get into chapter two, and right. we, we get what book one was lacking. And I love oh. the beginning. This is, this is good. Yes. A sneak peek at the bad guy. Nudge
3: mm. nudge. Say wait. no more, squire. I will <laughs> not. <nudge. laughs>
2: we start off with actually one of my favorite bad characters. Uh, right. This blue dragon named Sky. I like this, yeah. and we're in Sky's head, and he's cold, and he's grumpy, and he's just these stupid humans at war. But we gotta do it because that's what my queen wants, and we we come through here, and we have this weird uh, picture here where we get like dragon overstock parking. <laughs> where all of a sudden there's just so... There's a bunch... There's a ton of blue dragons here that are sitting in a pass somewhere in the cold and the snow and are grumpy and are hungry. like And I just see them lined up in parking spots. <laughs>
0: and I will say, this I really liked because before this chapter and this part, I only really thought there were three dragons. They never really <laughs> talked about having more dragons beyond just Ember... Pyros, the black, uh, the... I'm
1: blanking on... Well, Ember and Pyros were the same dragon. Good point. Ember and Pyros... That's true. Uh, Sorry, Ember and
0: Pyros, but having... It always just seemed like, oh, there's like three dragons. Dragons are very, very rare, but... And they're not that big of a threat, because they're not going to be able to be everywhere. Here, it made it seem like, oh no... They have squadrons of dragons that they can just send wherever they need to, and it
2: increased the threat level. Right. I loved it, did. it. And there's this, there's a couple great things that go on in here when we meet Sky and Sky's High Lord. Yeah, um, we have that. We get this great. We get a couple great pictures that Sky and his High Lord are more of a team than Pyros and Verminard ever were. Right. They're more of, it's it's more in sync. We get this information that there are multiple dragon highlords. We actually never really figure out how many there are, because they right. keep coming in. Um, Verminar wasn't the only big baddie, so that was one of the things getting to the end of the first book that I looked at and went, we just killed the bad guy. Yeah, Darth Vader's where, dead, what's going on? Do, where do we go from here? Right. So I love this fact that we find out, like Paul said, there's squadrons of dragons. They talk about the war in the north, which is a thing, evidently, yeah. that the dragons are winning Right, um, as they go through in here. We, we get this little talk with the High Lord as well about Elliston, And they're actually talking about the Cleric of Paladine and how he can actually be a threat to them. And so it gives his character a
3: little bit more things. Yeah. And then, poof, we go back to the party. Right. right. I mean, uh, in Thor Barden, I felt like... like Already I'm losing oxygen. I'm in this little tiny claustrophobic dwarven cavern. All the air is getting sucked out. I'm almost dying and it's not even the first chapter. Chapter two, the giant bellows have been shoved in and I'm getting oxygen again. Like, yes, thank you, chapter two, because this is exactly, exactly what I need. That uh, from the last book, I felt like we weren't creating enough stakes here. Yeah, multiple high lords, invasions in the north. I mean, you're feeling like, okay, yeah, this is an actual invasion, you know. Hitler is on the move, uh, and it's exactly what was needed here to mm-hmm. set things. Really good correction from from the last book for me. And I will, but say, yeah. We, oh, sorry. We I will say how uh,
0: Weiss and Hickman transitioned. I believe you said that this one was mostly Weiss. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I do how, know of
3: some chapters uh, that we'll get to that are were only Hickman. But okay. yeah, yeah, I
0: will say I love how they transition now between the party, and the Dragon Lord. Yeah, it is kind of poof. Could have been a new chapter, something like that. But there wasn't as much changing so quickly in the middle of a battle. It was more set, you know, you're with this group. Right. You're going to follow this group for a little while. Oh, and then don't, there's a don't worry. Switch.
1: The book will break your heart on that idea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're coming up to it. We're, we're, okay. we're,
2: we're coming oh. to it. And... We also have this idea. I'm looking at my notes here. We also have um, this Lord uh, Arrakis. Mm. Arrakis, so find, yes. So we find out that there's actual tiers within the high within yes, right. uh, the, the Dark Queen's army. Yeah. And so this high lord is somehow above the dragon lords. Right. And you know this aspect, and he just this dude just sounds. He's described as being a brilliant young commander, or a skilled young commander. But we, f- but he's
3: just slimy oh yeah mm-hmm. and see i like this this is what exactly what we need we need to feel like there's this hierarchy like like there's you know there's cunning behind what's happening and it's not just kind of these stupid draconian yeah it's, it's not just
1: yeah. things happening for the sake of things happening right. yeah.
3: somebody's actually yeah. planning these battles yes. yes yes but so now i still have one problem that i'm waiting for to get fixed and and they're going to fix it so i'm giving weiss and hickman their time they got to get into this book and fix this looming problem, and that is how many characters that we have. Yes. And at the end of chapter 2, we, you know, in my book anyway, I believe it's like two and a half, three pages where Tannis is like, where they pretty much go back through the line as they're all trudging through the snow towards Tarsus, and they describe kind of each character and like something that's going on mm. in their head. It takes yep. two and a half, three pages. Th-
1: there, There is a thing, it is either right here or it's once they're in Tarsus, where it keeps talking about Oh, um, Sturm and the arm, the armor of his father, and the sword of his father. It, yeah. it does this weird like flashback thing yep. that I feel is completely unnecessary in like a trilogy of books.
2: <laughs> like, um, previously in Dragonlance, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> previously on Dragonlance Z, I, I don't know why you would do that. I mean, if if you were to pick up a book at a bookstore and like, oh well. Dragons of Winter Night, Dragonlance Chronicles Volume 2. I think I'll start here. If you're confused in that book, it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, don't, we don't need flashbacks. Don't need we don't
2: need any of that. This stuff, but yeah. I liked the roll call. I will say it. The reason I liked the roll call is it did give us a useful who's who. Yes. And, and you need and, this here. And yes. you need this here because I'm staring at... Uh, we have a Marvel poster on our wall that has every character from Marvel on it. <laughs> and um, I'm looking at this going, okay... This is the group I see walking down the trail, and (laughs) one of the, well not exactly, but the... Uh, And one of the things we harped on in the first book was characters would would randomly show up again. Right.
3: So I did take this as a quick reminder of, hey, everybody's still together. You know, I I do feel that uh, Weiss or Hickman, whoever's writing this, is very conscious from the first book of the fact that people were getting lost and they do it a lot here where they're going to kind of list everybody by name and and what's going on. It does still point out the flawed, I guess, too many characters from book Mm -hmm. one that were bringing into this one, but I'm giving it to them. They're going to come to the correction here and that's going to happen in Tarsus. So chapter three, we get to Tarsus the Beautiful. Uh, They cross over the hills and look down into the beautiful city? Uh,
1: psych!
2: (laughs) I loved this visual. Yes, I loved this visual. This was such a Mad Max moment for me where they come over the hill and the city that's supposed to be on a port, well, surprise! It's not on a port anymore. There's no ocean. <laughs> there's ships that are sitting in the desert, tilted yeah, over. absolutely right. amazing. Um, yep. Like just poof, the water is gone. And like I like I said, it was this Mad Max moment for me where it's like, right. okay, yeah, I guess the apocalypse really did happen.
3: Uh, yeah, no, I I liked it too. Again, just one little drop line. This happens to me throughout these books where everything is going great and it's like nobody read through again and with going like. Are are we sure that everything we wrote here was okay? Because they talk about how this the ships are in the port, you know, all destroyed and buried by sand and whatnot, which I think is an awesome visual. And then they say with the and white masts tattered and blowing in the breeze or whatever. I'm like, three hundred years later there's there's Sails still up the, these these ships? sales still on these sails
1: on these ships are preserved as well as mummies yes
3: <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know in chapter
1: three we get this explanation of the cataclysm which is a high point yes. I, I haven't even I haven't even read book three yet this is a, the one of the best parts of this trilogy mm. is explaining everything that happened in the cataclysm we've talked to the cataclysm oh the cataclysm was bad ooh the cataclysm this
3: yes
1: and now we get to see the cataclysm well, I mean we saw it a little bit back in Pax No, I'm sorry. Zach Sarath. Zach Sarath. Back in Zach Saroth, yeah. we saw that. Um, you know, the damage it dealt. And we see it again in Tarsus. Right. And then they're going to go on and explain, like, in a little more detail what happened. And this is just mind-blowing to me. Right. And
2: one of the things I love is when we get this description and we get this flashback of, t- of Tars- Tarsus. Right. And when it was still on the coast... Uh-huh. Um, which again, I like the aspect of okay, the ocean disappeared. Not it just fell into the ocean. <laughs> Why well, I, right. I like the switch around the switch around on that, and I think that's great. But we get this flashback description of Tarsus as the bazaar, as the oh, trade center. Yes, that was yeah.
0: amazing. Listening Beautiful. and reading the detail that they went into, I loved it.
2: Right. What I I, I love the aspect that it talked about too, where it talked about um, multiple. Different colors of wizards that were in, mm, yeah, that were yeah, in yeah. the mm-hmm. city. Multiple different clerics of old gods and new gods, and multiple religions and people mixing yeah. in the city. Because I have been getting the feeling that okay, we really haven't met another wizard.
1: Yeah, true, yeah. true. Was, well, was f-
2: Fizban? Well, okay, we've had we've had the
1: mystical. Yes, we've had
2: Fisben and we've had Raceland. Not like even when they were, um, in you know, even when in the future, even when they go to some different towns and some other stuff. We don't get other mentions of other wizards. We don't get other mentions of other clerics. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, are there other religions? What's going on? are the do we do we care about the old gods fighting the new gods anymore? Has that been thrown to the past? But I love this flashback where it talks about Tarsus and it talks about all the different people that are in the flea market. was so, Was
0: yeah. this the first time? I don't know if I just missed it earlier. Was this the first time that they talked about having read, uh, white and black clerics were like, or er, wizards, right. where they have right, like. Yeah.
2: I believe it's the first. No, they talk. I think it's the they, first mention. Right? It's the first mention of okay. black. Okay. It's the yeah. first, okay. We've had so. the mention of white earlier because it talked earlier in the first book. Right. It, yeah. it talked about. Yeah. It talked a little bit about um, how Raceland draws his power from the red moon, and that's why he wears okay. red robes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But no, we had had no mention of black until all of a sudden. Wait, wait. There's. Are there green wizards? <laughs> <Are> there? <laughs> well, there are druids, according to the language. Yes, That's true. <laughs> so we move right along after this great flashback that we all, uh, we, and we all appreciate this
3: description of the cataclysm. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And I, I feel, again, anything to do with the cataclysm is a high point. I'm going to hold on to that little nugget because it's going to come back later in some thoughts that I have later on. Um, but we are told that Tarsus, uh, the people of Tarsus have a hate for, uh, Salamnia and their knights because mm-hmm. they think that they were abandoned or that they abandoned them during the, uh, cataclysm, which I like. I, I like a, a town that's kind of got a, a preset, you know, they're against our heroes in yeah. some fashion, but now we're moving into chapter four and I got questions that I want you guys to help me answer here because my problems are going to kind of continue here. Um our heroes go to the inn of the red dragon and they start discussing what they should do next what what's going to happen taz you know being a kender kind of just leaves and gets some unwanted attention from the guards here's where i need your help because okay. I, I don't this i don't understand let me let me talk you through this uh, and, and from my perspective okay so tannis and everybody else see the guards coming in this in this inn they just Flip out. Like, we cannot get captured. This whole thing. They break. Raceland is getting all like apocalyptic about us. some of us are not destined to meet again in this world. And, you know, like they break up, some go to the upper room and everything. I'm like, okay, so you just walked into a city where I guess the population kind of doesn't like Sturm, who's mm-hmm. with you. Why are you freaking out like this? Are you not going to talk to them? And I will tell you, this is going to, all of this gets undermined later on when we get to it. Where I think it's Sturm says, oh, the leaders of this city are honorable people. They'll listen to us. I'm like, well, what are you flipping out about and, and splitting up? And, and this made no sense to me. It's out of nowhere that all of a sudden I get what they were going for visually here. Like we're in a, a city who's kind of against us and we need to split up this group. But none of this made sense to me. And see, I took it as a lot of the aspect of, okay, after
2: being in the city for a little bit, we don't they understand that the city is not really comfortable with outsiders right there's I, there are aspects here where there's something with the Knights of Salamnia. and uh, did you catch did you catch when Raceland was talking about his whole like we shall never meet again yeah. did you catch the reference that was in there because I made well, note of this because what is I this? had to after after we did our movie podcast, he mentions the great worm Caterpillius. <laughs> you know what? When,
1: when we were talking about it in that podcast, I'd already, I already read that part of the book. And he's like, What the heck is Caterpillius? I'm like, I've heard that name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've heard this
3: catar- what is this
0: caterpillar? I, catar- I will say, he- too, just to for your not liking how he immediately goes to yeah. defense, I think it was how Tass came in. I mean, Tass is normally a guy that happy go lucky, hey, whatever, let's adventure. But the way he came in, he was giving them the heads up. And I feel like Tannis could possibly read off of Tass like, oh, a kinder is coming in to warn us? That's probably not good. I I feel a lot of this is
3: kind of like these are things that you, you kind of are like gut feeling or that you're reading into again, which I feel s- speaks poorly of what's actually happening in this chapter where you again have to draw on things you're either assuming or gonna, I'm feeling like throughout all of this tennis is looking like a horrible leader and I, I, nothing I, is going to change my mind a lot. Well, what I think you need book. to
1: take, I, and I think it, it's, it kind of speaks to a part of the book that's very well written is you need to take everything that Sturm says mm-hmm. with a grain of salt. Ah. because he is so honorable.
2: Oh. But he's not at this point still because he's still hung up about the whole hammer aspect because he wants to bring it back to Salomnia. I'm hung up about the hammer. <laughs> want, because we did find out, we do find out here in some of this argument that Stur's not really a knight. Yeah.
1: Correct. True. So this is true. Just wearing his
2: dad. He's wearing his dad's uniform and traipsing around the country side which, here. Which I thought was a really nice twist. I love it. I liked I, it. I went through the whole first book thinking he's a knight and not. I liked yeah, it. Honestly, I liked it. And I liked, but I liked the fact that, all, like I said before, he's... He wants to save the world, and he'll run over anybody he can, because he needs to prove himself to be a hero in order to mm. be a real knight. I, I like that reading of it. I, yeah, I like he, that.
1: He holds to his code. Okay. He assumes other people are holding to the same code. It's... Right. you got to be careful with Stern. Yeah. He, yeah. He's always trying to be the best, hold to the measure.
3: I still don't feel that... The, Um, And that explains Tannis's flip out. Oh god, (laughs) Tannis (laughs) is
1: written so poorly in the beginning of this. (laughs) We have have the
2: 8,000th time that we have Tannis doing the comparison in his mind of Lorana and... yeah, I, I actually, uh, I in my notes... I thought about her, and I thought about this, and how they're so much different. She's so <laughs> selfless, and I don't know if this is... Good. I don't know if Kittyara would be that way around people, and I don't know... And who do I... Who do we love? I'm sorry. Uh, I, <laughs> I,
0: just, I just read what Luke has on his notes. Tannis,
1: comma, barf. <laughs> <laughs> the cataclysm explanation was amazing, and now this nonsense? <laughs> is this supposed to be character building, exclamation point?
2: <laughs> Question mark? And all of a sudden, we roll back to this whole idea. Idea of Tannis berating himself for being too human and feeling too much. Oh
3: yeah, boy, well, yeah, we're gonna get to that barf. In chapter two. Yeah, I, I <laughs> don't emotions. like it. I don't like it. Uh, again, if for any of those listeners who, who who aren't in agreement, I guess one of my things is that there's too many characters here. met go back to the end of chapter four and read this one. when, when Tennis is flipping out about the guards coming and he starts telling everybody what they're gonna do. You go upstairs. You grab your gold staff of Moonwind and everything else. It's pages and pages, it's unwieldy, it totally cuts any tension that's happening. Boy, it's, it's, it's really bad, it's almost laughable in how complex it is. Um, but, we get to chapter 5, Tanis, Sturm, Flint, Taz, and Gilthanis are all marched through the streets, the crowds uh, again. I get it. I get how a city would turn against the Salamic Knights. Boy, they're really against them. They're throwing garbage at them and everything as they're led through the streets. And then
0: this is where I love Tass. Uh, there, I know you hate him. No, they, I, liked, I like you like Tass. Tass. And you don't like this part, but I, I don't love like this part. I love that they're insulting him, and Tass just goes, "I can make better insults than that," and starts throwing them right back. Yes, I. The fact. Go ahead. Okay. I, I know so, I know. You're... So here's
3: what I don't here's what I like. I love Tass. I love that he would do something like that. What I don't like is when when, you know, again, I'm reading this from a non D and D player's perspective, and they're gonna throw out the actual term taunt. As soon as they wrote taunt, it was like, and this is a manual. Like like I knew this is you you just have him taunt and do things that are taunting. Everybody who's in the know will be like, Oh, tether He's using the taunt ability. When you put taunt in there, oh it's I was okay out of universe. I a I was okay with it.
2: It's a D and D thing.
3: I would
1: have been okay with it. If we they, have a if,
3: lightsaber spoon right here, and I'm shoving that, it in... Hold on, that, that is not a sonic, sonic screwdriver. screwdriver. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. That's nah. like a fork. Yes. I like um, how
1: the three Doctor Who nerds
0: <laughs> jumped
3: on him immediately
1: <laughs> for that one. Shut you down. I, I would have been okay with this whole taunt thing if like, they would have written in like what he said. Mm. But I think you, you just get like a little taste like, bleh, your Bob's head's fat. I like... If he's going to do this, if the kender taunt is so legendary,
3: yeah.
1: write some legendary taunts in. Yeah, so, I,
2: I want to use these in real life with my friends. Yeah, and what yeah. I was confused by was, isn't it, Taz being marched along with the prisoners? Yes, yes he at is. At this point, and then oh, yeah. all of a sudden he like slips into the crowd to go yell at somebody else and gets thrown in a bag and carried away. Yeah. I do feel <laughs> a well, lot I of... He, he, he was
1: he, marching with them, he was, and then yes. in the confusion he got bopped on the head and yeah. thrown in a bag.
2: Yeah, it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very poor guarding when you're marching, when you're marching your prisoners down, and somebody grabs you loo- one. Of
1: you them. lose a prisoner,
0: <laughs>
2: and somebody grabs one of your prisoners, and you just keep going. Yeah,
0: yeah I, right. I will say I like that part. Yeah, so the later. taunt part. Little they could have skipped over that, but I just. It brought a little bit more character. All in I past. heard, all
2: I heard, were the Monty, the Monty Python French insults. In <laughs> <laughs> your Mother was a hamster, and your father smelled of elderberries.
1: <laughs> How dare you!
3: Uh. Well, okay, we get to the part where Sturm says that these Tarsus lords are being marched to our, our honorable, um, and he feels that they've done nothing wrong uh, and everything, so that they should be okay. Meanwhile, we got Elliston, Caramon, Gold Goldmoon, Riverwind, and Lorana and Tika. They're all kind of sitting in the Ooh. in waiting, so at least we've split things up, right? We have a little Lorana and Raceland talk.
2: Which and I could have done
3: without. You know, honestly, I, uh, boy, I, could, I go against you. I love I'm this with part. I'm with you. I am with you. I love this part because it, he we learn, and I think I brought this into the last podcast, and I was pulling it from here. I forgot that it came from here. That because of his hourglass eyes, everything he sees ages before yep. him. I love this. This is so cool. cool. That I
2: loved. I could have dumped without the, my mother was a psychic epileptic. <laughs> I I, I, I I'm, I'm
1: enjoying this, and what yeah. what I wrote down was why is Lorana's love story written so much better than Tanis's? Yeah, I care about Lorana. Right. Yes. I. I'll give you that. Yeah. And and it's something about like Raceland opening up, and I know yeah. like the. Mm-hmm. talk yes,
3: because he's been very closed up yeah, yeah. What what
1: did it, I can't remember exactly what it said. It was something about Lorana where like, all of a sudden he forgets. That mm-hmm. he can see everybody die and like he almost yeah. has a crush on her. Yeah,
3: almost. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know what those feelings are. Maybe, maybe that's but, it. Yeah. Maybe it's, she gets yeah. Racelyn
1: to open up, and it's just is written better about. Maybe I like her side of the story where it's not like oh, I'm Tannis, and too many women are in love with me. Like, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> and I again, I'm okay with that. The whole part that I started to have issues with was we got this description with of the of Caramon, Raceland and Kitiara's mother. Yep. Mm-hmm. and their and their individual fathers right. and the fact that the twins father died in an accident and essentially the mother just went into a trance and went into a trance and starved to death leaving the kids to fend for themselves <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> basically I,
1: I, I took that as i she had some sort of magical powers about her mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, something ha- like something traumatic happened, and it kind of, like, triggered something, some sort of vision yeah. with the powers, and she was stuck. She, it wasn't a choice of hers.
3: But. Okay, okay. I yeah. took right. I I it also, I, there's allusions to the whole kind of 80s, if you're a child of the 80s, and you're kind of, you know, the... Growing up alone without parents, these are your, you know, you know, the 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 brother who chose the right path and the brother who chose the wrong path. Growing up in a the eighties wasteland suburbia, <laughs> <In> <laughs> the and, n- it, <laughs> and my mother was a princess, so therefore
2: I'm a princess. In, in
1: yeah. the ninth grade, Raceland started smoking the marijuana. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, he is always crushing herbs up and putting them in water. <laughs> hey, um, but uh, what I do kind of love uh, here in the in the side notes uh, of the book that I have. It, they do write that this whole idea in the first book of, of Raceland having hourglass-shaped eyes was just something they wrote. It was just a thing, a cool yeah. thing. They had no thoughts beyond that, and the, then kind of adding to the mythos here of it, a really cool idea, I really like this. Again, I've had my big beefs here, but I do feel like the course of this ship is steering in the direction that I want it to. I've had big issues with a lot of things. But they're they're culling the herd of characters. They're splitting them <laughs> they up. Split the party. Yep, 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 and and they're kind of adding the stuff they're adding mythology to is like Lorana, Raceland people that I really like, uh, you know, and, and Cataclysm stuff. Things mm-hmm. the the things that they're adding to I'm really liking here. Um, uh does say a thing here that I don't really get. He says, Raceland says people follow Tannis because he thinks with his heart and not with his head."
1: He definitely doesn't think with his he head. He does not
3: nope. think with his head. Yeah, I, that's nope. exactly what I thought when I heard that. I'm like, "You're you're right." <laughs> <laughs> What's
2: the next line? Because I made notes of this as well. Oh, What's what the next what is line? it? I
3: don't know. The next
2: line is Lo- talks about L'Oriana points out to Ra- that to Raislin that well, yeah, you too follow Tannis. and Raceland goes. I don't follow anybody. We just happen to be going in the same direction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I
1: actually, yeah. I, we talked about Doctor Who a little bit with mm-hmm. the whole hourglass eyes, seeing everything of everybody right. when he looks at them, and I'm just going the same direction as him. I got a very Doctor Who vibe out of Raceland, mm-hmm. and maybe that's yeah. what's yeah. starting to connect me even more to Raceland.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. I, I, I suppose. I never thought of that I'm just traveling, man. I'm
3: liking Raceland more in this
2: book. Oh, heck yes. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a, that was a slimy line to me. That was a slamming about. It, I, it is about. I don't really care about any of you. And so again, it's we talked about yeah. some of the foreshadowing aspects. That tells me right there that oh, okay, something's going to go down here. Right.
3: Yeah. But I think and maybe I, it's because we had that human connection with Rayson just prior to this. The few lines before yeah. this, where with Alana, he, he his walls break down, and then almost in like he kicks against that yeah. and says, "Yeah, I'm j- well, I'm just following." Yeah, I'm and the, that was, the same I, the, there was I almost feel like I don't believe him. Yeah, I was hair, torn. Hair flip. I was yeah, torn yeah, yeah. somewhere <laughs> in between. Yeah,
1: of like. Well, he said it, so I have to believe him because why would he lie just yeah. because of who he is? Yep. And the same, like, oh, uh, 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 just kidding. Yeah. Like some well, sort I feel, of thing. I feel like there, he felt the
3: feels, and he kicks against it. Well. You know, you know, something like that. Um, which, which I, I guess mm-hmm. I don't know why, I like. But meanwhile, Tannis and the gang meet Alana Starbreeze. Well, then where did they meet her? Uh, in a
2: courtroom. In a courtroom. The Hall of Justice. What a lazy name. <laughs> Welcome.
1: <laughs> Oh, Welcome this. to Tarsus. Dum dum. <laughs> uh, I, I was super confused by the courtroom scene. I don't. Is the town occupied at this? I mean. Yeah, because Draconi. E- eventually, uh, we, eventually we get to it, but like, uh, this is the start of a problem I have with this book where they're being mysterious and they're just being confusing. Yeah, you're, I'm just like, okay, so there's like this courtroom that smells like there's dead people in it, and then there's. You know, we got the, like, the guy from, uh, what was it, uh, The Two Towers, who's behind the king, like... Yeah, yeah, Wormtongue, Wormtongue. Yeah, worm tongue. Tongue. let me whisper yeah. some stuff in your
3: ear. Well, and then it's, uh, you know, sh- she's a... Do- we bring in a lot of Starbreeze, and they feel like this is the time for an info dump on her. Like, oh, yeah. oh good, There's another She's the daughter of the Speaker of the Stars, uh, princess of her people, ruler a- when her father dies, for she has no brothers. She's no Sylvanesti. So she's not Qualinesti I just have ugh. <laughs> I,
1: I wrote, oh, good, another character.
3: <laughs> well, that's. Th- And again, you you just split the party up. You split the party, let's add more! You did what was right. These are not now two (laughs) magnets to throw more magnets at. It's just crazy. Well, when they
2: introduce her here, and it's actually somebody saying her name Uh, as they're introducing her here, and all of a sudden I'm going, is is this whole, like, spiel gonna end with Targaryen? (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, yeah. well, mother of dragons, dragons breaker of chains.
3: chains and to me this naming system that we have going here and i know we we know these characters now and we're keeping them split up but still you have tannis and then you have tass you know like we're always calling him tass and not Tassloff. so you have tannis and tass and then uh lorana alana i mean oh my god it, I, at le- so least with close.
1: the elves there seems to be like a theme with like all their names are like Al, al- alasa or yeah. Alanthas or something they flow yeah. well they seem to really flow except for ex- except for Laranas I could not even tell you it's like Larana la 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 it's like something like there's all these A's and L's and A's and S's, and I don't know what's I going on. I do like
2: the fact that after like somebody gives this big long speech about who she is, the
3: whoever this Lord in charge is is just like I don't care arrest her, <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: like
3: that. And then since we've met them for about five minutes, Stern, one of the only guys who's not uh, hooked up, falls hopelessly in love with her. That yeah, I well I, I mean I don't. This sets up a whole plot device that goes nowhere in this entire book. I, I don't feel I'm spoiling anything because everyone listening to this has read the entire yeah. book. If you look from here onward, this whole relationship is really meaningless. But, but where, it doesn't but pay where,
1: off. where does and, her character
3: go? She, no, just, she
1: just sort of ends here.
3: She comes in and flits in and out, and we even well, end that's with it. her at the end of the book, yeah. her father's grave, like we're supposed to have cared or she had anything to do and with I, anything. And I think, I think this what, is
1: why you care right here. Yeah, what, yeah, it, gives us, what it gives
3: us is
2: it gives us... Later on, as we're going to talk about the little sleight of hand um, magic elf thing that she does to protect oh. the dumb human. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, she saves them with her griffins, but I, mean, I don't know. She's there as just kind of the rescue ranger here. But again, this speaks to Sturm, where you do not treat her. They said princess in her name. You do not treat a princess yes. like this. Yes, she royalty. yes. <laughs> well, she came to find people to help her out because her. Her father needs mm. some rescuing, um, so so she needs help. And 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 meanwhile, we find out that Taz has magical glasses of true seeing.
1: Oh, but but wait. Not yet. Because if you buy one Elhana Stardust, we'll give you three more characters for free. Oh, here's, oh yay. Here's <laughs> three more Salomnic Knights, two turtle doves and Tannis and a pear tree. <laughs> Let's do this. I don't care how many... Let's split the party and add four people into it.
3: I, Let's just make it yes. like two huge parties. Why not? I was literally just almost like screaming at this yeah, point because exa- I'm like, yes, because, yes, because, yes. Okay, you have done the right thing. You've split up the party. You've added now. Four to so we're gonna split up the party and just add characters to both of them, and then stuff is just being thrown out. Alana has a magic star. Taz magically has glasses of true seeing, which with only Taz, helps out the plot. With, with Taz, it's easy because he's, he's Taz. Still still I do, I do I like how they if, brought
1: how he got them. If
0: they, they Flint had the
3: glasses, I would
1: have been pissed. <laughs> like,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Taz, he's just like, well, somebody forgot him. So well, you know what? If they've whatever.
3: been thinking though. Maybe was maybe back yeah. in Pax Starkist, there could have been a thing where he saw them on a shelf or something. And and, and scoop them up off of there. Then you start this book with them being pursued all the way to Tarsus. Cut out that stupid thing with the dwarves or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and then he's like, oh, that thing I picked up back in Pax Tharkis when I was going around with Fisben. I don't know. Should we use these? This is just thrown in out of nowhere. Like, oh, in one of my magical pouches that I've stolen things, in, I have these glasses of true seeing. I don't know. Now, we can't, we can't stop. We can't jump over to... As much
2: as we don't like the, yeah. hey, I have the magical pouches of anything that needs a plot device. <laughs> um, but so they're being marched out of the halls of justice. They're all being sent to prison, oh, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we get the hooded figures that show up, and I'm, thi-
1: I'm thinking Draconians.
3: I, I yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh they're god,
1: they're dead. <laughs> yeah, right. Except it's this book, so no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, and it's the main characters. They, they work, will
2: be fine. And, and this whole thing where the guards are like, "Oh, there's putted figures up there. Let's take
3: the alley." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I
1: I, I I'm I'm always go down the alley with the prisoner. So they're they're heading down this alley. We're getting uh, close to the end of chapter six. But something I want to bring up here: Did you have you guys noticed what has been missing since chapter two? Is the subtitles of the chapters? Mm. It is just the Red Dragon Inn. A dismal journey. Really? Yes, we have stopped with this whole awkward revealing subtitles, which okay. I am adamantly in favor I, of.
0: Except for when I all of a sudden opened a chapter eight and it just says "Escape from t- 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 Yeah, t- t- actually, t- I, I don't. The story of the dragon orbs.
3: I. Like, yeah, I was gonna say we got I've got long titles, chapter six, Knights of Solomnia, Tassel House Glasses of scene
1: It's okay, it's not completely gone. Yeah. It's mostly <laughs> okay. it's mostly gone. I, yeah. honestly, I and agree I, I am yeah. Huzzah, Margaret Weiss, huzzah, Tracy Hickman.
3: Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop revealing things so, in the chapter.
1: Uh, uh, the the prisoners are being escorted out and these the hooded figures. Mm. Free them. And that's where we get our three new Salamnick Knights. Huey, Dewey, Dewey, Dewey. and Louie. Huey, Dewey, uh, Louie. Derek.
0: Derek. I
2: don't El, like these guys. El Ducherio.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: um, I'll, I'll be honest. I've Brian. Brian. I love the fact that the dude's name is Brian. <laughs> Brian? Derek. <laughs> Brian <laughs> 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 <and> <laughs> I am
0: I will be honest. I don't remember any of their names. Like, and I know one of them
1: stays with the
3: party. Derek, yeah. Derek for Derek. a very long time. Uh, I always yes. forget their names.
1: Sir Brian the Brave. <laughs> I don't... Come on.
3: <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, and again, we've talked about this, it's just, it's too many characters, why are you piling on characters? I literally was like, uh, just agape is not a word I say often, but I'm just like reading mouth agape, because <laughs> I'm like, I can't <laughs> believe that you you just fixed your problem, and have now committed almost a worse crime, that now we will have two groups of unwieldy and these two groups are huge. They're, I, <laughs> they're huge. I will say, I, f-
0: I felt like when it, when they introduced those three char- the three new characters whose names I still always forget. Yeah, that was kind of their re- their point. Except for maybe one of them who that's what hung I was proud of was that they were there and they're going to be gone. Like I felt like they were yeah. they were yeah. meat to they're, die. They were they were the meat for the
3: mill. Well,
2: yes. And then we have this city who and uh, this city who there's some weird draconian whispering in the king's ear that. Uh, governor's ear or whatever right. it is under siege, and we have we find out about this library that somehow went unlooted during, after the
3: yeah. cataclysm. Uh, yeah, like. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just <laughs> sitting around, and luckily Taz has his magic glasses of seeing, so he can read this book that's falling apart. I, I mean, even a part of me was going, "Well, just take the book with you," but luckily they throw in the line that the book is so like old that it just falls apart; it's just crumbling even as mm-hmm. they read it. So they've got to just kind of leave it there, and Taz can quickly read it with his. Glasses, and there is a there is another
2: uh, raceland lining that comes in here, and I don't remember the exact line, but essentially he like walks up to Tasselhoff and whispers in his ears and something to the effect of, "If you use those in my spell books, I'm going to do terrible things." To yeah, you yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was a flashback to when he figured out he had the glasses, and it's yes. I will turn you into a cricket and I will swallow you whole. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right, yes. Okay, here's what I like though things that I like. We now know about dragon orbs. We know that they control dragons. So we are in chapter 6. We have direction. We've split up our group, but we know what they're after. We know that, at least by this point, dragon orbs are are what we're going after. I guess dragon lances, still not a thing in dragon lance. But dragon orbs are. And hey, you were talking about what's missing. I'm going to point out a glaring thing that's missing from pretty much this entire book. Okay. The magic MacGuffin of the last book... The Gold, di- Moon, Gold Moon's staff. And well, we, the no, Discs machine we, we know what happened to the staff.
0: Yeah, the staff, we know what happens. The, staff the is discs.
3: Part of a statue.
1: Nobody knows. Yeah.
3: Oh, the, I forgot all about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. But, and but and
2: Elliston also,
1: has the discs.
2: Yes. Yes. Alliston has the discs because he's the only one who can read them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Shut up, down. And <laughs> half the Dragonlands community is like, yeah,
2: stick it, Bob. <laughs> And we also find out from, from Taz reading this book that there are apparently dragons of all colors. Yeah. That there are yep. red dragons, there are blue dragons, there are green dragons, there's something called a brass dragon. We right. find out that evidently they come in all colors, which I'm right, kind of, the, the 10-year-old in me is going, so I wonder what they all do different.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah what, are like, the bra- what do the brass ones breathe? Yeah. <laughs> what do <laughs> brass
2: dragons do? What do, yeah. what do the green? Do the green ones
3: breathe like trees or something? <laughs> it, it's it's cool to play in the it's sandbox. An, it's, it's an odd oh, yeah. it's
1: an odd Bulbasaur sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> vines come out somewhere. I don't we've been in
3: the
2: library for too long. Things yes. have been going on for too long. We've been stopping since we just broke the prisoners out of jail,
3: and so all of a sudden, huge horns start going off. Right. Hey, th- the city's under attack, and I like this. Dragons are attacking the city. Um, this is what we needed. Uh, a, yeah. big, a big battle.
1: This is done so well. Right. The the carnage, the danger that is felt. Right. Is just it's resonating with in, me. I, it, I I love this chapter. In, in
3: the annotations, uh, I believe it was uh, Weiss talked about how she researched a lot of World War II stuff. Mm-hmm. Showing here. Definitely. Oh, it was I like, great. I like how
2: we've got these three new knights who we really don't know But these knights, they're supposedly Knights of Salamnia, but they come off Nowhere near as honorable and as you know, right. cool as Sturm yeah. has been They actually try to kidnap Taz a little bit. Tannis wards them off from doing that So they start trying to actually to talk to Sturm about, hey, if you really want to be a knight, you'd help us kidnap the Kender."
3: <laughs> <laughs> but Sturm's not going to have any of it because he is too busy uh, throughout a lot of this cool fighting just carrying around Alana and his love story is continuing oh. with her. And, and there's a lot of, like, trembling and eyes flowing with tears and, and everything else. I, I, I just... They, that, they, they did the fight, the battle, the the awesome. carnage, the chaos so
0: well, and then they threw this in. Why? Yeah, Why I'm would kinda, you I'm do that to me? I I,
1: I don't it. even remember that part. Yeah, I, I'm
3: glad I, oh. for you. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> yes. jealous. It was like the wheels just come to a, a halt. You're like, oh. yes, dragons are attacking. Awesome imagery. Oh, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was the it was the part where they're they're in the door.
3: Yep, yep. That I I don't
1: know why you guys have a problem with that. Th- this part was I I just felt like the emotion was warranted uh, in this in this thing where Sturm is doing his best to protect the princess, but everybody's dying behind him. Right. And it's, He's doing everything he can just to protect her, and it, it's it. I felt the danger. It's like, like his
3: love for her is calling him away from his, her. He duty, feels his duty.
1: His is. duty. Yeah. I, that's cool. It's. Yeah. I, I mean. Ju- I, I I just just picturing myself like. You know, a woman's in danger, and you throw her into a doorway, and you're blocking the danger with your back, and you're like, "I'm probably gonna die." I can hear everybody dying behind you. It, it really, it really, I, it stuck with me. I really love right. that 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 part.
3: Right. Yeah. No. I. I, 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 I like
2: this aspect of getting back to. I like this part part here of getting back to old Sturm. Yeah. Where whatever is gonna go in my code, my code says protect the woman no matter what. I, that's going to be my code. I stand in front of her, like Luke said. I stand in front of her. I'm going to shield her from the danger. And you get the moment of, okay, things are hot and heavy and dragons are attacking and people are running through the streets and emotions automatically run wild at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Two people pressed against each other yeah. in a door. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Make out while and, and, Rome burns. And what,
1: what yeah. I have here, the only thing taking me out of the first half is Riverwind. Uh, why are Goldmoon and him still here?
3: Yeah, they, <laughs> um, they, it, they actually, why didn't they just go back to, uh, and do something else Do, do, this do you,
1: th- wa- you want to know what I wrote what? down? They should have stayed dead in book one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: it's... It, 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 they don't come into play throughout the rest of this book. They don't. Yeah. You could have given these characters, you could have let them end on a high note, Uh Riverwind dies when the black dragon melts him. Yep. And then to avenge him, Goldmoon sacrifices, sacrifices. herself to take down that black dragon. Oh. And we never hear from them again. And it our, would have been great. in our hearts, Goldmoon and Riverwind would just, it, it, those characters would have been so much better. I mean, I guess I yeah. don't know that if they go anywhere, that they do anything in book three.
2: We'll find out. To, to go back to, and I'm going to keep throwing this out, and I'm sorry. There yeah. is a whole shtick about Riverwind in in Dwarven Depths about Riverwind uh, being a leader among the refugees and actually it becomes a whole like we like we don't like you because you're different, but we'll honor it. And yeah. so we have we have the races actually coming together
3: because of. There is a drop line in like Flotsam or something like that where she's like almost becoming like an apostle. Yes, and she's like yeah. s- saving people uh, over to her side or whatever. But I agree with you, Luke. These two characters either needed to go somewhere else or they needed to die. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you with dying yeah. in book
1: one. End them on the top of their arc. These you know? guys
3: are just hanging on to this group like a bunch of unsightly skin tags at they this point. And I just, <laughs> I don't know why they're here. Okay. So they fortify
1: uh, the inn. They um, do, and Chapter 7 is so good that I almost forgot that there are no stakes and that no one will die.
2: And yeah. we, we did, I, we have to talk about the pin. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, because the, star, well, the star pin. When they're in the doorway, Al- uh, eventually Alana heads off, but gives gives Sturm this gift of a diamond pin. And Stern puts it in his belt, and he's so touched that she gave him this jewel, and then it just drops mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it does come up again later on. I,
3: I, I mean, like yeah. right here. And yeah, I, yeah,
1: right, right here. It's super weird.
3: It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, so because sh- it's set up so that they can feel each other through it later on. But again, but
1: I, I really that's not a thing. No, yeah. But that's not a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, anywhere in the book, it's not a no, thing. No, I, I agree
2: until with it's you. needed,
1: it's not a thing. Until
0: it's needed, it's, it's not. Yeah, it I almost don't.
2: felt like it. It almost felt to me after reading the whole book that it was one of those things we talked about in the first book where there are a few scenes that it seems like they went back and inserted because yeah. they needed some, like, you said, needed like you said earlier, character. MacGuffin. Yeah. They needed
3: something to ha- be able to happen because of this. Right. Well, and then we flash to Raceland Again, I'm always coming off as just such the cr- crabby... I should have called myself the crabby old man. But we flashed to Raceland and Caramon and everybody else in the inn, and what kills me, it's killed me in the last book and in this one, are our, our heroes are never proactive. They're no. never proactive. They are sitting in this inn, acting like they chickens with their heads cut off. They don't know what to do. And Raceland brings up that he has herbs, and at, for a while it sounded like they're all going to commit suicide. And it ends up that, that the herbs I think are, that's
0: what they wanted it
3: to. Be. I thought like, it was a good end.
0: I thought it was, I thought it was good. What? What? Oh, well, no,
1: the, the thought that, oh, hey, in, this this might really suck. Why don't we just?
0: Yeah, that's I like that. Oh, where take, it was take the
1: easy way out. Oh my god! This... It,
0: I thought it showed Ray Slin's dark, how he's darker than everybody else. Where he he goes, okay. I really we can't have some of this information. We can't have this. We don't want to be captured by them. It's so I'm going to move. end it. Yeah, oh, he, I mean, it was for all me, brain over. this just no shows heart.
3: that we are trudging around in this mire of like. Tannis is ineffectual, he's a crappy leader. Um, Raceland is trying to get everybody else to just commit suicide. <laughs> ritual suicide in, a, in, in an inn. Quick, like, put on your Nikes
1: is... and your black shirts. Yeah, I'm
3: like, no wonder Sturm, who who, who, is, who is like straight as an arrow, is the only guy attracting me at this point. Because there is no hero here. Nobody's proactive, they're all just being buffeted around once again. And I took this
2: the whole, you know, well you can take these herbs and die because we can't have these infor- this information around as s- almost Raceland seeing the possibility of being able to rid himself of these people. <laughs> Once <laughs> and for and all. Like, oh, you guys it? take I, I okay everybody I like take this I, part. Every, everybody take the herbs. I, I was waiting for it to become everybody takes the herbs, everybody dies. Raiselin's standing there goes, about time and like teleports off. So, <laughs> so, uh, so it, why, enlighten
3: me though. Why are so so the why are they intent on even contemplating this thought in the first place? What information do they think they have? They know the orbs exist. These guys Th- don't. These the guys end. don't.
0: I think it's more they don't want that terrible death of we're going to get pumped for information. It looks like they're searching for us. All those oh, things. is They that, have a reason. That, that, that is horse
3: to... four-letter word right there because, <laughs> because that is... You do not write this into our demographic as 12-year-olds, okay? You do not write this that, oh, you're going to be captured. No, you write that, okay, we let ourselves be captured. I've got a plan for escape. You do not say die. As a group of individuals who are the heroes, you do not contemplate this. I'm, this the, I'm actively turning against your dark Empire Strikes Back. This is like Han Solo sitting sitting on the Millennium Falcon when everybody's searching for him in the asteroid field going, well... Looks bad, Leia, but I got razor blades <laughs> in a drawer. Like, okay. gonna, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> this is the crappiest scene of the whole series I'm gonna so be far. 100%. I'm
2: actively hating but this book. At again, this point. if you watch, if you paid attention here, he Oh does, I was he does. <laughs> When he's talking about when he's talking to Loriana, he actually makes it seem like it's a sleeping potion. Oh, we're gonna take this. That's we're all right. gonna lay, yeah, we're all gonna right. lay on the floor. They'll think we're dead, right. and we, as the reader who are who can begin into race head, know that it's no. He's gonna poison them all.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> right. gonna be it's, honest here. You've actually convinced me to change my mind. Yeah. I, I will give you that one, yeah. where it's... it's oh, you I, see, money. I'm fine with Raiceland. Because uh, Raiceland
3: has always been kind of actively on the fence. You always feel like he's kind of against the group. Yeah. I'm cool with Raiceland being like, Hey, guys, you want to like, I'll just... Because he wants them gone. I'm fine with Raiceland. Paul that being failed because, his will save. But you have all yes, of these others who would miserably. do this. I Tika could probably weasel her way out of this capture in one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> we know draconians like her, yeah. so I mean, I don't know. I don't so know. It, kinda, it Wha-
1: comes to the point uh, the in their staying in is finally
3: De- just like dis- demolished, demolished by the attack, and they're trapped in the in the basement. Yep. At which point
2: they all have the cups in their hands, and it's that mo- it's that moment where they're ready to like. All right, well. <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> yep. And right as everybody's about to drink, the door bursts open in the back and <laughs> Tannis.
1: I was so worried. I was so worried right here. I'm like, are you really going to jerk me around with the fact that you split the party and they're just getting right back together? <laughs> <laughs> Screw with, you. With,
3: with four more people. <laughs> uh,
1: and it, But it does end up being one of the best bits. The place comes down. Right. And Lorana is being drugged from the rubble, crying for Tannis. And this, I, I'm. I'm like, oh holy crap. Like this this is just take this dark turn where like yep. I she's crying, it's ruined and the the entire moment is ruined because you know what? I know Tannis is fine. Yeah.
2: Right. But it was This it was, is a
1: good way to kill a character here,
2: but I liked the moment and I was hoping that they were going to go further with this moment because you have don't. this picture here of Tannis flinging Lorana into Ellison's arms because metaphor
3: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have
1: been so good i mean right. bring it back right i what what i wrote down uh either this is a good way to either kill off tannis or tass and but it won't i, I know it won't this book series doesn't have the balls to <laughs> kill somebody i will say well, if they killed tass i'd be people. out I'd be heartbroken, wouldn't would, you? I would be yeah. so heartbroken Right, That would have been good. I would love to feel it some emotion. Been so terrible. Because as soon as I start feeling emotion, they ruin it with like this like yeah. retractual, like, oh, it's just okay, everybody's fine, the party's back together. We're we'll gonna be okay.
2: Right. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't Well, and we do have this scene of right as the inn collapses is right when everybody else gets to the scene. Right yeah. when the party's just about to be brought back together. Yeah. brought back together. They get to the end, they see Elliston and Loriana running out of the back of the inn, and the inn goes down, and well, there's true the High Lords troops are coming in, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, again, <laughs> don't
3: ever send any of these people to rescue me from anything. Nope. Heroes, no. they are not, they, I mean, immediately, there is no, like, you know, I, I can't think of a human right now who wouldn't see a, a house collapse, you know, and wouldn't be like, you know, we're gonna, my best friends in that basement or somewhere in there, I'm going to hide out in this alley whatever uh, i i just don't understand and again for what because they're worried about getting captured because they kind of have the knowledge of the dragon orbs you had the freaking hammer that was going to make dragon lances that you just kind of willy nilly gave to the dwarves what was what it willy nilly what do you care about top secret information <laughs> Anyway.
1: And I don't, it's... And it cuts to... Um, Rescued
3: by Griffins...
1: Rescue! That, rescue! Of griffins. Oh, griffins.
3: The goblins, grif- riding Griffins. No no, 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 goblins are trying to dig them out, and then all of a sudden oh, everything goes yes. quiet, and the griffins. Well, right. I think you're supposed to be. For a while, I thought it was eagles, because all you hear is about talons kind of yeah. digging through. I'm like, oh, what, what's going on? I
0: immediately went Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. as soon as it's the same
3: eagle yeah, that transports like, Gandalf around. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, it's griffins, and it's it's uh, Alana who has come to save them. So, Escape from Tarsus, Chapter Eight. Uh, we we find the red dragon. Ra- and I, and I,
1: you you kind you kind of skipped over uh, the part about oh. them being in the basement, right. which is totally fine because this part doesn't need to exist. Right. You can just skip that part of the book, and nothing changes. <laughs> oh, they're, they're in a the basement, and it's kind of scary for a second. like I, What? Is it, is it going to fall down on us? Are we going to
2: starve to death? What's going to go on? We can't really move because there's troops outside. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like the fact that then these red dragons are a remnant of Lord Verminard and they're still led by this few master Tody. so there's a throwback to the, to which, the last... Which was step. interesting. That was I like interesting. That. I, I like, like that. he
1: lied his way into being a dragon high lord. Heck and yeah. I, and
3: I, I thought it was super
2: cool that all of a sudden we get this character from the, like, first scene of the first book, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who evidently has had a character arc I probably would have enjoyed reading about, <laughs> Because how did you... Oh, watch? there's a book for that. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Because I wanted to know... Wait, wait. No, this was the dude at the beginning who was just, like, running some ragtag guards and captured them and then lost them. And he... did the Dark Queen kill him? <laughs> don't, don't you go to the Dark Queen and go, Yeah, we lost the most valuable prisoners we've ever had. And she just goes... <laughs>
1: yeah no he was no he's he was, a
2: dragon high lord right because
1: he was the only one who survived the um the party taking down lord verminard's mm-hmm. army and all of that so because he ran yeah and, 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 and that comes up history is written by the not not so much the victor in this point but the survivor <laughs> <laughs> and he just lied his way into being a high lord yeah which right. is Absolutely hilarious.
3: I love that part. Yeah, I, I, I did. I did, too. So let's jump onto the back of these Griffins here. Alana starberries comes and rescues them. She needs warriors to help find her father. Um, what I don't get, again, um, doesn't care about rescuing Sturm, who I guess she was madly in love with. But, you know, talking about going spend time but, looking for him. But
1: that, that kind of comes into like who she is. Deep down, it's true. She doesn't. She's want a, to so have a have re- elf. 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 Elf.
3: Yeah, she's not supposed to have relationships with with humans. She's not even supposed to like humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I do like the fact that when we're
2: riding away on the Griffins, mm. we're being chased. There's yeah. a con- there's a contingent of blue dragons with the blue dragon high lord. Who nobody knows about yet. <laughs> um, coming coming at us, and it happens to be that the griffins are just a nudge faster. Yeah, I like. That. So we we have an immediacy there. It's not like we ta- we've talked we talked about uh, before with book one where okay, why are we still running? You got away from everybody. Right. No, yeah. you're still being chased. Yes. If there's right. one
0: thing they do. R- really good in this book it is adding
1: that sense of urgency
2: yes. Yes. compared to Tiger.
3: that first
1: book they did a great job of adding that and that was, that one of my first notes for chapter eight is and just like that i'm back in right no matter how I much agree. you screwed up like chapter seven started on such a high note and you screwed up and then i'm right back in this book shines when they're talking about lore and history
3: I, I agree, and and here we get like a download from Raceland on Dragon Orb history, and yeah, I, that,
1: that that's it, that's I, it right there. I,
3: I, I love I love this stuff. Again, this book is such a roller coaster that it can have me actively hating it, and then all of a sudden, yeah, by the time we get to nine, I'm, yeah, I'm back in. Bro. And so we get this download of the Dragon Orbs. Yeah. But again, we have
2: one of the reasons we get the downloads of the Dragon Orbs is all of a sudden Raceland isn't Raceland anymore. Yes. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden, he has he has his little he has his little epileptic seizure comes back speaking with a different voice to give us this download.
3: Right. Yeah. And
1: this is kind of like this, this odd like I don't even know that I would call it foreshadowing because foreshadowing is a little bit more vague. Right. Uh, whatever they're trying to do here, like, I for n- not no shadowing. I don't. I don't even know <laughs> what you call it. It's it, it's good though. I it's very interesting. Um, and at this point, the party is actually split. And my mind is actually being blown. Yeah. I, I am really enjoying this, and, and we we have Tanis, and I am enjoying him when he's not being an emo, lovesick teen. <laughs> it just it's this book takes
3: an entire one eighty. Right, I, I I agree. Right here. I, I love that we learn about the three moons here. We get yes. the five towers oh, yeah. of sorcery. Uh, I mean, all of this stuff. Uh, again, we've talked about how Weiss and Hickman shine, kind of in in their they're dark you know kind of ghoulish stuff they also shine in the world building you said earlier luke that the cataclysm stuff at the beginning was the was the best stuff there yeah by the end of nine here i'm going to talk about what i think is the high points and and where we're going and and i agree with you this Mm -hmm. stuff is really good and i love this description of the dragon orbs here the creation of the dragon orbs you
2: know they had to be created by all three mages working together, right, which cool. we which we had gotten a little bit of information about. Yeah, all three mages don't work together ever. Day <laughs> yeah. But in order to create the dragon orbs, all three mages are uh, you know mages of all three orders. Excuse me, had to work together. Right. Don't you dare try to use this thing unless you're insanely powerful, mm-hmm. because it will blow you up, mess up your mind, and there will be another cataclysm. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But
3: we find Alana's father, Lorac, <laughs> has yeah. taken a dragon orb and. <laughs> You <laughs> dragon, I, of taking a
1: dragon lord like he just dropped e. Dra- like, dra- dragon lord without. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, chapter nine. Holy crap! Mm. I have no words. I I am. I am loving this book. Oh, this.
3: this when I first read this through, completely threw me. Blown that, away. That like they, the when we go through this, for a while I wasn't knowing what was dream and what was oh, reality. Yeah, I yeah. was like what? Like, they are just killing people. Yeah, uh, It really got me, and I'm like, whoa, this is this is good stuff. We talked about Dark and Wood in the last book, how good they are at writing this. Boy, they are so good with some of this stuff. Chapter 9, uh, I was actively hating it back at the end. Loving Chapter okay. 9. Okay, I want, I want to hear
2: you guys okay. what, what <laughs> you guys were thinking about during this. Yeah. I want you to pronounce who the clerics are of. Who the what? Clerics? The cl- who the clerics are of. I-S-T-A-R. Ishtar. Ishtar. I know. In my head, Ishtar. I know. The entire time. I, Ishtar is Ishtar. Sweet, is Ackroyd going to show up? <laughs> 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 <Right. laughs>
3: oh, well,
1: that's a throwback. Holy God, cow. Is...
3: Wow. Ishtar. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bob. Oh, no, wait, yeah, wait, these,
1: wait. yeah, these authors do horror so well, and... Even I, I, was confused for a little bit. I feel a lot of the time when they're doing when they when they write and they're trying to do suspense, I end up confused. Yeah. Yep. But it totally pays off. Like what bleeding trees and this green right. fog and Elhana just runs off and right. everybody needs to go. Oh crap! We gotta save her. This this place sucks. Let's go. Right. And this I mean this is where we got our opening bit yeah. for this episode because yeah. it's so good. I, I, <laughs>
3: maybe that speaks something to the author, but I feel when it comes to. To reality and common sense, there's issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Like, and, but then when we get to weird dreamscapes, oh, it just blows a, my mind. Yeah, it blows my mind. So stick with the dreamscapes. Hey, I'll tell you, legends, a lot of dreamscapes. I, I really, so much really. Yeah, and I, yeah. Lo-
2: I loved as we were getting here too, how confused, how confusing it was. Are we dreaming? Are we awake? The the, the decaying boat that I that. I don't think should have floated. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah, I, right, right. I
0: will say because of my forgetfulness, I forgot my book. So at one point, so I was listening to this as an audiobook, and I had a driveway moment where I I was stopped and I <laughs> needed to leave. I literally sat in my driveway and finished the chapter. I sat and listened to <laughs> oh, it. Oh, that's awesome! Finishing yeah. the chapter because I loved
3: this chapter and how dark it got. And even the that the just, illustration. Yeah. It's. Freaking creepy, man. Yeah, oh, I, mean, yeah I, tree, I like this That illustration's great. And it's oh. during this whole part that, again, Raiceland makes a deal with someone, someone that turns his robe black Ooh, I love and gives that. him the power to lead the others to this dun. tower. Foreshadowing. Because I, I don't know if we said this, but there is a ta- they're trying to get this, to this tower, the Tower yes. of the Stars is where they think Horak yeah, is. Yeah, where
1: Alhanna's father is. Yeah,
3: but. where Alhanna's father is. We're, we're trying to get through this haunted... I don't know if you'd call it haunted, but it, it, oh, it becomes a Beyond parent. haunted. Yeah, it is your worst nightmares kind of being manifested.
1: Fleshy, bleeding trees, oh, zombie elves.
3: The animals, there's like the one oh, picture yeah. of the animal that like yes. hops out of the woods and then just crumbles into ashes. Oh, yeah, just yeah. It's,
1: insane.
3: It's I'm, great stuff. And this continues for multiple chapters. So I mean, we kind of move through 9 to 10 to 11. So we keep doing this waking dreams, future visions, it's called. Um, again, and this is where I'm going to bring it up. Raiceland, uh and Karamon, and it's Raceland that's supporting Karamon throughout all of this. Karamon has been Wait, the look. one taking care of and supporting Racelyn yeah, the sickly. And now, when things are reversed, Raceland is now putting it put in the position of uh, supporting Karamon. Uh, maybe we should
1: go back to like you know where he got the powers, and where oh, yeah. when his robes turned black and like he was talking to this figure, and it's this like. The, the only thing I'm really having an issue with is just this, you know, it's... They're trying to build mystery, but all they're doing is doing this over-the-top foreshadowing. Yeah. Where it's like, well, obviously, that's going to turn into something. Yeah. Like, I right, mean,
3: right. like... You like, know what's going to happen. Like, so
1: foreshadow, way. but be more mysterious about it. I mean, that that's my only right. note about it. But, right. I mean, so cool. Raceland's voice returns to more of a normal voice. He... Right. His robes just turn black. Right. So bloody cool. I, right. I can't even... I, I I'm white girling. I can't even. Yeah, right. It's so <laughs> cool. And, I can't even. And
3: here's again. I would love to pick through the history and the minds of the authors and and what was still being done. Because I, I say, We said they are uh, released from the 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 module problems, uh, but kind of. Uh, we still have modules going on. I know for certain, according to to the annotated version, that is not until the tomb of Huma huma tum the the tuma huma tuma of huma, of huma. <laughs> that they are officially <laughs> they catch up with all the modules and they are perfectly 100% wow. free of 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 all the modules but i think they had more license and more freedom in here so I don't know what's holdovers and what and what's what I I do feel like there was sometimes struggle. I know of instances where Weiss wanted to kill characters and not keep them around, and whether well, they kind of had to keep them through. So I don't know what all the struggles were, but the strongest things, Luke, you said it the the cataclysm stuff and everything. And now here, when they do dark dreamscapes, and man, this relationship that gets fleshed out here more with Raceland and Caramon. oh, so good. I mean, that's what we did as our st- stinger at the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and they are so good this is the meat this is what i think most people want to hear more about this is what legends is about oh. you know most people hold legends i would say uh, uh, slightly above these three books this is why i think weiss especially maybe hickman knew this was the stuff mm-hmm. and and turn that into another trilogy nice. and you you said before too yeah Give me Skeleton Warriors any
2: day. Oh, any yeah. Day. Me Especially me. Yeah. fading Skeleton Warriors you can't hit, but oh, they can hit you. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Yep. The writing here takes such a gigantic leap up. It, yeah. this, this almost... Like you said, how can we... You turn 180 degrees. How can you possibly turn 180 degrees from one chapter to the next? It's because it's not like you're reading the same book. No, it's not at all. You're flipping. I don't know. Maybe we're flipping authors here. I hope both of them don't listen and go like, hey, they're downing my chapters and loving on (laughs) so-and-so's chapters. But whoever is doing this stuff, this is fantastic. Well, we have this moment
2: here after... Raislin's robes turn black after Karamon's been speared by the skeletal warriors and is being supported by his brother. That nice twist—I want yeah. to say juxtaposition. <laughs> that nice—that's <laughs> my that, word. That that nice twist of what this relationship used to be, and Raislin draws this circle on the ground and step in here for my protection. And Stern stands outside and says. No, you're an evil magician. I will not put you on. Yeah, I will not that, put that's so good. <laughs> yeah, and that
3: right. was
1: kind of. I, I had this little bit of a moment, like I, I, I didn't know that Sturm died in this book. Um, mm-hmm. One of the few things that hasn't been spoiled for me between I, <laughs> you guys slipping, I, and I, that's fine, and us watching the Dragonlance cartoon.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: um, but I almost I started getting this feeling that. And it's, it's a bad feeling. I don't like when I get this feeling. Yeah. What I call this feeling is the Michael Scott office feeling. <laughs> and what I mean by that <laughs> was there was a point in time when Steve Carell knew he wasn't going to be in the office and he let everybody know and everybody right. knew it was coming. So what the writers did was they turned it around and they made him seem like such a nice guy.
3: Uh-huh.
1: But where previous to that, Michael Scott was kind of a dirtbag. Yeah, right, right. And, it, and this is my first hint at it. Yeah, when Sturm is doing this thing. I mean, Sturm has always been this upstanding knight of a guy, but now when he's really taking a stand on something,
3: yeah.
1: That's my I'm giving him a little uh, Michael Scott. Ooh,
3: I didn't catch that. Michael like Scott that leaving either. the office really like point.
1: That. I'm like, "Uh-oh. I like that." Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um Yeah, yeah so he leaves and we're kind of getting this uh Raceland's getting stronger and he's supporting Caramon now. Right super cool it's really cool the, and the relationship between these two is unreal i
3: i i really I love it, it but what and again what, what we come to though is care i feel so bad for caramon and boy oh. uh if a year oh. from now if a year from we're talking a year from now we might come back and do legends uh, boy does it really get hammered home there but i feel so bad for caramon because caramon is like just the perfect brother. Uh, that is they, always yeah. so caring. Won't even be in a relationship with Tika because of how he feels beholden to Raceland, his sickly brother, and everything. We find out even more in other books, is up their backstory and how we take care of him as a child and everything like that. And then to have Raceland, when finally Raceland gets the power to use his brother, mm-hmm. like leech power from him yet again... Yeah. you know just to be able to get him to in his own drive for power i love i love that i i hate i hate it in a, in a like the way you should you know like the like Raiceland, oh you're, you're kicking me off but and but this is great this is the the feelings that i'm feeling are is what a book should elicit from me i'm invested in these characters i'm getting emotional about their struggles uh this is good stuff this is this is the meaty part of this absolutely novel. it is
2: and we have this point where we almost do kind of, Raceland actually kind of almost explains that they're in a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but not really. So no. you really don't know what's going on. And Sturm just walks away from everybody into the dark woods. <laughs> and it's that because he won't be protected by the evil by the evil mage. Right. And so it is that point, where the hell Sturm going? Yeah, right. Sturm exactly. can't walk off into the woods by right. himself.
3: He's going to die. Right, right. <laughs> And eventually, we get into this tower. I mean, everybody's dying. Uh, by the, the end, everybody's...
1: The, the only thing I, I want to bring up about the, uh, the whole uh, raced Karaman, you know, leaving him to die thing was yeah. it, it was very... I, it made me think of, you know, how movies are these days where a lot of things are said, yeah. but very few things are showed.
3: Yeah.
1: And I I've, I've felt a lot of that in this book where a lot of things are said. Yeah. But right here it is shown. Yeah. How much Karamon care- show me
3: don't tell me is a big yeah. deal. Yeah. yeah. How much
1: Caramon cares for his brother to the fact where he, I'm dying because of him? Yeah. But like, I'm gonna lie, and I'm gonna say that it's not his fault. Yeah, because uh, I told I, him
2: to
0: go
3: away. Yeah,
1: I that yeah. that like I'm actually getting like real life human feels. Yeah, no, at I, this agree. Part of the book. I agree.
3: I uh, agree, and that again, why? Oh, how can you do 180? This this is why. You yes, can do right here. Yeah, so you they, they they enter into the tower. We go well. We jump in here with chapter ten, mm-hmm. and chapter ten we're
2: midnight of course but we have this we have these great pictures where all of a sudden everybody's separated again right everybody's in different little groups that are in different little mm-hmm. places but everybody's in the nightmare and everybody's in the nightmare including the people who weren't like with them when
3: they started yeah, yes you, yep. yeah you have kitty ara who we haven't heard from
1: yeah now Tan- is Tanis is well. literally caught between the two, two women he loves yeah it's, it's it, it is
3: at this point though that i took that is a nightmare i know it's a nightmare now because i'm like for a while maybe Maybe this speaks to how confusing I, the writing at the beginning was where I'm reading this going, Wait, Tannis? What? What did I miss? And I'm like going back like mm-hmm. why why are these people here? Yeah, no. Oh, okay, oh, it's a dream. It's a dream. Yep, okay. All of a sudden all of a sudden,
2: poof, we're talking about Riverwind fighting undead tribesmen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. fighting you know, fighting all these people. Of his, th- him, of yeah, his, own, yeah, his own nightmare fighting these people who blame him it's, for them dying. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. all of a sudden Tika and Flint are there. Well, <laughs> as as soon as
0: Sturm appeared, I I knew it was a nightmare because he wasn't with Tannis in right. that group. Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those where it was like, okay, yeah, yeah it, nightmare. I know it's a nightmare, but at the same time, the characters yeah, didn't.
1: It's, it's, and it, I loved begin- that. Like in the beginning, where he shows up, like, oh yeah, this is definitely this isn't real. But then, like, the further it goes, it's kind of like, wait, 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 wait a minute. But we don't yeah. know. Yeah. We don't know at this point if
2: it's somebody's nightmare,
3: yeah. or if we all are, or is, having, it, or is it a magic forest? Are, are That's all, true.
2: Or everybody's having. You know, is it one person's nightmare or? Are we having... Is this just Tannis' nightmare? Or are we having this collective, like, hooked-together lawnmower man nightmare? (laughs) Lawnmower man? (laughs) Ah, 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 ah,
3: ah. Well, let's get into this tower and end this nightmare. They get in... Literally. uh, They get into the tower, and there is this huge green dragon. Named uh, what? Cyan Bloodbane.
1: Yeah, let's name it Green Dragon Cyan.
3: (laughs) Open the Crayola box, pull out all green crayons, check what they're called. Hmm, cyan sounds cool. Know, cyan's more of a blue. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, it was cool. That was my only hang up with this whole thing. Yeah.
3: Um, no, I get, yeah. I, I feel though, Luke, like you're kind of striking on something that is always an issue with me. Like, that even in the cool parts, there's all these little, tiny little things. Like the sails on the ships <laughs> that just constantly yeah, yeah, just yeah. are being like little tiny pebbles being thrown at me uh, on the window. I I I don't know. Um, I
2: love this moment though, where all of a sudden people start coming back together, and you have you have that Loriana, uh Kiara moment of who are you? No, who are you? Yeah, I know I, well, I know these people. I'm That's his, my brother. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm his girlfriend. No. I'm his girlfriend! <laughs> all right, all right. Janice is over there sweating. Uh,
2: <laughs> this, this has to be a nightmare. It has to be a nightmare. I love the fact <laughs> that the only way you can get into the tower of is, of course, the Kender has to pick the lock. Right, right.
1: Uh, um, yeah.
3: And here's the thing for me. What, it's my, a DD and
1: d thing. Yeah.
3: Well, my statement... <laughs> would, he sets off a trap and kills himself. <laughs> <laughs> what my he rolled st- a nat one. He just rolled an nat one. my statement would be right here, though, is this chapter has a really high point of entry. Like, if you bombed out of book one, um, you need to like these characters at this point or mm. none of this will mean for anything sure. to you. For sure. So the fact that I'm liking this uh, does show that I've bonded and liked these characters by yeah. this point. For, for everything I said about the first, first book. Um, well, and everything
2: that goes on here, because there's so much that goes on in this short little simultaneous time mm-hmm. span. Yeah. I'm still not understanding if you die in the dream world do you die in the real world? (laughs) Freddy Yeah, yeah, if you die in the
1: Matrix do you die in real life? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Does chicken actually taste like chicken? I don't know.
2: Tika Tika (laughs) accidentally stabs (laughs) Flint Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we mm. have we have Taz who's been poisoned by the lock because he set off a trap while he was picking it. Karamon's dead back in the corner where Raclin left him. Yeah. If you die in the Ma- again, it, yeah, like you said, if you die in the matrix, do
3: you die in real life? Yeah. yeah. I don't. Uh, boy.
1: And I, I, I was worried about it until Tika and Taz died. Right. Because you are not gonna kill that many characters. No, no. Well, no, it was this, too much. It this, was very
3: obvious. Everybody's dying. This so this matter. series
1: will not kill a character. This series will not kill that many characters. Yeah, you never, know, but, it's not gonna happen. But
2: would we would we think about this, would we have been just toting the accolades of Weiss and Hickman here if, if they would have done it, if all of a sudden we get out of this and it's just like Tannis, Kit, and you know Raceland that are left. Oh God, switch oh. up Tannis
3: for Tika. I take just <laughs> I take Tika any day. You, or, can't, you can't. The Tika
1: Chronicles.
3: The Tika Chronicles. I would read them. You can't
2: <laughs> kill your Han Solo. No. Or can't. Oh.
3: Han Solo. He is not. <laughs> no, no. I just mean the
2: male hero. I mean the male
1: freak hero. He's, That's he, all I meant by that. He just, he's a younger Han. Han Solo, who's a little emotional, well, I mean, I actually, I meant yeah, hasn't quite hero. been smuggling. That Maybe that's
3: bond. what this new Han Solo movie will be. It's kind of yeah, a Tannis yeah, take yeah, on Han
1: Solo, yeah, except, we except are young, emotional, will, flying except around Except Tannis is a hundred and thirty years old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and
2: Chewy has the emo. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: That, that, that's a bangs. thing on Tumblr somewhere. I don't know.
3: <laughs> All right, let's uh, yeah. let's get back in. Let's, uh, let's get, get, to get back, we got uh, So so we end up finding the the dragon gets defeated, um, w- which I like, and I want to get to Lorac. I mean, could, anything to say about this uh, dragon and the defeat here? It was weird. Yeah, yeah
1: it was weird. I don't like it. Just kind of disappeared.
3: Yeah, I did feel like it was a big lead up to not really an epic. To just kind, of, kind of,
1: battle. of a oh oh my god, there's this is big green dragon, yeah. and we're in this castle, and we're trapped
3: in. Maybe like, it's oh. maybe that's fitting. It's a giant nightmare, and it ends like all nightmares. Oh yeah, okay, just, okay that's okay. You just wake up, and it's done. <sighs>
2: yeah, I did like the whole inception aspect yeah. of Lorana's ring. Oh, yes. because there is yeah. A, there is oh a yeah. passage there. Where, there is where yeah. Tennis con- where tennis sees Lorana's ring and is concentrating on it, and that's how he knows that he's that he's pressing
1: it against him. Yeah, he's yeah. pressing uh, it against him,
2: and I I did well, it. it cool. that, was, that was the entire inception of oh, four. yeah yeah. I, 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 I didn't write that
1: down, but yeah, that's where yeah. I was exactly where I was at.
3: Uh, that's that's cool. I really yeah. like that. So we all wake up. We everybody wakes up. They, <laughs> Chapter eleven. They go find, They get into the main chamber of the tower. They find out that uh, Lorac uh, is the fa- the father of Alana is sitting oh, in yeah. his chamber. And
1: he's looking just yeah. Gross. And it, I
3: love this. I I now have this as the background on my iPad. Uh, Do you really? The, yeah, oh, the Elmore picture of this of just him sitting in his chair uh with his hand on the orb and he's just like sucked dry it looks like kind of mummified almost but he's still alive and i love this this his nightmares I, I, his nightmares have infused the entire entirety of sylvanesti uh which is is cool
1: yeah it, bring it like back oh, just to like the beginning of the chapter well, the f- like one of the first things we get caramon alive awake taking care of racelyn yeah. Just yes. uh, e- even more. Right right in the fields. Yeah, just, right, oh. yeah. I, and there's I, I a agree. little... Caramon, my hero. I know.
3: I, I love this guy. There's I a do. little
2: throwback here because we've... There was something that went on in Raceland's mage test. Mm-hmm. In his Ooh, yeah, yeah, test. Yeah, yeah, there's a little... And we have a little blurb here about... Um, it had something to do with Caramon. Yes. You know, in his mage test that Raceland had to do or something had to happen. And we just get this little nudge blurb here right. where... Karamon also knows what happened during the mage yeah. test, and that was, part, are we, we of, that, that was part of. Are we
3: talking about that? That's kind of. No, we're not. Get, of, no,
2: we we no, yeah, We just okay. get this. We ju- we just get this little nudge here yeah. of of how long Karamon has been taking care of his brother, right. and how much love he has for his brother. Because this almost sounds like it's not
3: the first time. This is not the first time his brother has been a complete. Yes,
1: there is him. like one one of the coolest things. In this book, I, right. I have written down here. Uh, well, in my book, page one twenty four. Um, w- w- where were we? Uh, what is it? The half elf said quietly, "Is he dead?" And race, Ra- who? Blinking. He saw Tannis looking at Lorac. Oh, Lorac. No, I, I don't. I don't believe so. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a. Yeah. It's just like just. Yeah. We're getting more of that. Show me, don't tell me. Yeah. About his hourglass eyes. About what they do. About how distracting all of this is and i just i mean think about like every time you look at like an organic person you know yeah, like you see all of them you see them dying you see them being born and it's how distracting that is how distracting it is having somebody else in your brain and you really get that here in in just a couple sentences
3: yeah no i i really like this and and I mean, I I did get confused on the whole
2: explanation of well, Dragon Orb switch allegiances. Yeah, it was it, it was it was part it was Lorax for a while, then it was Science for a while. Is it Loriana's? You know, it,
3: the dra- Evidently, this thing has a consciousness somewhere. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Alana gets up to the throne. She's able to break through the dream, um, and all the companions are re- reunited in the chamber. Uh, again, I would sit, tell anybody go look up this art by Elmore. Um, if you have the art book, Art of Dragonlance, it's page one hundred, but it's very cool. It looks like a cover of an Iron Maiden album, <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of dig it. Um, I dig it. But let's get to uh chapter twelve. We gotta get moving on. Chapter twelve, vision shared. Uh yeah. Oh The Death of Lorak.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Chapter twelve, the return of the subtitle. Dang it, you guys. <laughs> I was just praising you about so, getting rid of those. So here's
3: this. here's what we were talking about, like in, in book one, uh where where Paul was like, you could probably just read through some of these and not read the chapter. You don't have to read chapter twelve because yep. visions are shared, so the people who weren't with us on this dream have shared this vision. Oh, oh and Lorak dies. There, don't read chapter 12. Well, to be fair, <laughs> chapter 12 was short. It was short. <laughs> so all of the rest of our heroes uh, that were trapped in the inn have gotten out, and they're on their way to Ice Wall, um, and Flint and Lorana and Tarana, Nice name, nice one, name. Yeah, I know, great. Uh, it's a wall of ice. Uh, and they they all have the same dream. They kind of wake up from having kind of the same Dream, and that's it. It's like just thrown in there is this little tag, and then all of a sudden we're back with Tanis and Sylvanesti.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, well, I, I, and I like the aspect though too that there again there is a little drop. I'm the king of the little drops. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, um. (laughs) That's such a
1: weird title, Blob. I call myself King
3: of the Little Drops. To my left, King of the Little Drops, I I am older than all of you. Um, (laughs) It is just little drops at this point. Now,
2: but there's this one tiny little drop in here where we jump into Lorana's head. We jump into Lorana's head, and there's just this moment of. Well, who was that chick with Tannis? Oh, that yeah. was oh, uh, yeah. 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 Yep.
1: and that's kind of what what tells you that it was, you know, it wasn't just a nightmare. That it was a very magical nightmare that brought all these people together. Yes, and I want to. Was Kit actually there? We don't know. I don't. We, yeah, because yeah. you don't really get that, like, because we out. haven't jumped to her head yet. I we, but, we still don't know where she is. But but even when we do, like, she's just kind of like, "Oh, hey, Tannis, what's up?" It's like it's not like, weren't we in a thing? Um, <laughs> <yeah>. well, <laughs> right.
2: that is brought up later. Yeah, that is, yeah, it is that is true. That
1: uh, I, I, I am gonna I'm gonna bring it back. To um, so bring it on back. Now. Bring it on back. That's my that's kind of my that's my catchphrase. I'm gonna bring it back. Um, I love back in chapter eleven the fallout mm-hmm. of after the dream sequence. That this place actually looks like this. That there, yeah, are, there right. are demons even, running around. Even though
3: the dream has been lifted, it, the after effects are still the, there.
1: The fallout. The, yeah. Th- they say, this place will never heal, and evil will soon call this place home. Right. Yeah. That it's like... It's been ruined. Whoa. Like, yeah. this beautiful... Even more beautiful than Qualinesti, Sylvanesti. This pure, elven place. More
3: beautiful it... than what it was like in the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just
1: windows pasted onto trees.
3: <laughs> well, can we... <laughs> oh, so hey, that's good. easy. So this
1: this perfect a, place ruined forever.
2: Yeah. And... I love the fact that everybody's kind of waking up and everybody's kind of stumbling into the room together Mm -hmm. and going, did that really just happen? And then all of a sudden we have Taz coming in and going, well, that was fun. Did you all have the same dream? (laughs) 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 Once again, (laughs) Taz is my favorite (laughs) character. You guys,
1: (laughs) the Oculus Rift update is crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The way way Taz just approaches everything is just, I love it. It makes everything any tension, anything that you need broken,
3: throw Tass in. It's great. Right. I do like the fact that, going back to ta- chapter 12, that Tannis talks about how he and raceland's relationship has kind of forever changed because of what happened. And I, I like that. You gotta call that out, because let me tell you, at this point, Tannis, you are the leader. You're responsible for everyone's lives. And you got this shifty guy that keeps hanging out with you. Kind of actively always working against you, and now he's just put on it, black yeah. robes. And I mean, I mean, why would you ever trust this guy? Again? And,
1: yeah, he you been that,
3: trying to get you guys to commit suicide in the bottom, bottom of him, man. That
1: all that, <laughs> you know, throw back to what he said earlier. I'm not following him. We're yeah. just kind of going to the same place. Same place, yeah.
3: I like almost like they're two leaders. They're co-leaders in some way, so, you know. And, and nobody's listening to Raeslin necessarily. Okay, one of the things I really liked as we end chapter
2: 12 here and as we get towards the uh, end of book one mm-hmm. is we have this whole explanation of Lorak's funeral. Yeah. Lorax had t- actually taken his daughter aside or had explained to his daughter privately that for all the bad things he did, he doesn't deserve a proper funeral. Just put me in the ground, which is this barbaric tradition and this idea of... I did like that. That's some good culture. Helps, yeah, yeah. So after he's dead, we have Tannis stepping up, being, you know, Tannis again. Here, going, (laughs) we will help you with the funeral. We'll help you with the preparations for the traditional elven funeral. We'll take care of this. Goldmoon even comes up and says, well, you know, I do happen to know a little about religion. Hey, hey,
1: remember, I'm a character in this book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And she shuts him down. Uh, uh, Alana, uh, yeah, Alana um, shuts them down and says, no, I will take care of it. Not wanting to embarrass her father mm-hmm. any any further. And I thought that gave her character a real It dynamic. was good. It was really good. Yeah. And a real part where she f- gets fleshed out here a little bit. Right. And as they're doing all that, we have Sturm also standing in the woods in the dark by himself. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it? The, the pin in his belt starts glowing.
3: Ah, uh, ah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't wink, like wink. this star. Yes. This is dumb. Yeah. Uh, I do love shadowy.
2: Foreshadowing!
3: It was really weird though here. I mean, he's an elf, so he's all about trees, and they're burying Lorax. The, they're burying the, the Lorax, lorax yeah. under a tree. I was yeah. like, did they bury him in a thneed? Because <laughs> a thneed is the elf needs. I will not
1: bury him underneath a tree. <laughs> I will not bury him where I pee. What? I don't know.
3: <laughs> I will not bury him here or there. I will not bury well, him anywhere. <laughs> <But I'll>, oh, <laughs> God. Wait, wait, wait.
1: What about Barium? Um, um,
2: yes. yes did, is he, has he showed up yet? Barium? <laughs> barium? Hey, no, Barium. Okay. At the not end, the Flash. We don't oh, want stop. the Flash in here.
3: Let's just point out how uh, all of us were hating on the fact that Barium shows up at the end of Book barium. 1. Barium. Barium. Yeah, I know. Barium shows up at the end of Book 1. We all thought that it was useless and why would you do that? We are at the end of book 1 of book 2. Boy, that's oh, book 1 of book 2.
1: Volume 2. Well,
3: yeah. Okay. Whatever, I don't care. But we're we're halfway through this book practically. No, Barum, uh totally useless. To, you know, Isn't I think it? we're a confirmed useless plot device. I in, in I thought he was one. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Well, I thought
1: he died with uh whatever who's the other guy?
3: But remember, they saw him at the Oop,
2: wedding. Jerk
1: or, face. Yeah. Jerk
2: face. He did. He died with jerk. He he and jerk face got caught in like the building crush or something. And then don't and then don't you remember they looked out of the corner of their eyes and saw him eating like a chicken leg at the uh, wedding. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to talk, talk about a
1: the wedding.
3: Chicken
2: leg. It shows how useless those
3: guys You know,
1: mouthful of meat. <laughs> well, you guys want some? You guys want a turkey leg? <laughs> 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 oh my so, god! No, Garum. So, so we're at the end of book one, end of book. volume two, and sh- we're at about the end of the podcast here, so we're going to break it off here, and but first, we're going to go around and we're going to just kind of see how everybody's feeling at the end of book one. We're going to come back in a couple weeks here and give you the rest of it, um, but let's hear everybody's final thoughts. Paul. What are your thoughts at the end of book one here?
0: All right. I really could not get into this book right away. The first chapter, the prelude, all those things, I really couldn't get into it. It was so hard. But after, I think it was chapter four, I loved it. Like, so far, I am really enjoying this book. You guys seem to have had more ups and downs than I did. I really seem to be enjoying it, and I'm hoping they continue this for book two and book three of this volume. I'm really looking forward to continuing reading through these, and coming back and discussing it with you guys. Glob, what do you think?
2: I'm in. I'm in. By the time I got to, I'm looking at my notes here, and like I've said before, I'm through all three. I'm reading the um, middle quill... (laughs)
3: <laughs> it's not really a prequel. It's a middlequel. Yeah, middlequel.
2: Um, I'm in. Dwarves. I'm in. I, I love these. I, I love these characters. I yes, Tannis has been a bit mopey for everybody. We've discussed that at length. But I, I understand. I'm still, I'm still in Tanis's court. I'm still, I'm still a Tannis guy. I, I want more out of Flint. Mm-hmm. I want. I want to see. I want to see more of the crabby old dwarf. Mm-hmm. That's really what I want. I want to see more of the what we talked about in the first episode with the, ten, or with the Tasselhoff Flint R two D two C three PO relationship. I want to see more of that. I, I just. I want to get rid of Loriana. Um, Tika either jump Caramon or be gone.
3: I. <laughs> Let me start over.
2: No, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Keep going. Okay. Well, then we're going to have to do a cut, in here. Um, Because I lost my place completely. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's no. hard to
3: cut all those laughs and stuff and make its place. But you're a wizard. You're a wizard, Annie. I
2: love Weiss and Hickman doing creepy. This final scene in book one, the dream sequence, the going through the entire dream sequence, how weird and creepy it was. I, I'm i a, I'm a Raceland fan as well. I like the fact that he's being set up here to the distinct possibility that in the future he could be a bad guy. And I'm not spoiling anything by saying that. We've, we're we getting the foreshadowing at the end here through this dream sequence that maybe Raceland's going to screw everybody over for more power. I like that. I like that chance of the characters not being a happy little family anymore. I like that. I'm in. I'm excited for when we start talking about books two and three because there's a lot of things in books two and three that I I really liked. There's a couple things that I really just... <laughs> but I'm in. I'm looking forward to the rest of the podcast. I'm looking forward to going over to books two and three with you guys. Luke, how are you feeling?
1: I am in a totally different place than I was when we gave our final thoughts on the end of Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I am... I struggled through the beginning. I feel like we all struggled through the beginning. The the writing was trying to find itself. I don't know what was going on there. But by the end of this, holy crap, am I blown away? Am I an all out Dragonlance fan? I. And, and it's. They, they were building it even before they, we got to Sylvanesti, and it got creepy with fleshy trees that were bleeding and Racetlin being weird and trickstery and not caring if his brother dies and then his brother a- adamantly defends him to the end and I'm feeling emotions in real life and I wow I, this, this series has come a long way for me at this point where we are at the end of book one I am just I, I am blazing through this book at this point I am so excited about what's to come But Bob, what do you think? Mm.
3: Well, I'd have to tell you, Luke, um, I do feel like I'm in an abusive relationship at this point. Um, That's okay. (laughs) um, There are parts of this where I am at my lowest point going, why did I pick this Uh, (laughs) to try to convince you to do a podcast with? Um, uh, And there are parts that I have found just unbelievably Fantastic. Um, I didn't recommend uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, although I still like the book. I see myself returning to it at some point to read again. I like the characters. And now here I am uh, a little less than halfway through Dragons of Winter Night and taking stock of everything. I had big problems with this beginning. Um, I was getting battered around with this thing and I did not like it. I was actively hating it by the time we got to Raceland and the suicide kind of scene. Um, And then all of a sudden everything got really good. But it's hard for me to say. Do I think all of this nightmare stuff and relationship of Raceland and Caramon is that good just because... It's next to something that I found so awful. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm wanting to continue. Um, is this the darkest book? Yes, I've been to my darkest places uh, at this point <laughs> with, with this book. Uh, but I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing light here. Uh, if it were not for the end of book one here, being this strong... Um, I would already be able to throw out a not-recommend on Dragons of Winter Night, just for the problems that I had in in Tarsus. Um, Unlike the Apostle Paul, I did not see any light when I got to Tarsus. Um, But here at the end in this dreamscape, fantastic. So I am tentatively looking forward that things hopefully in 2 and 3 will continue to get better. And by the climax of this book, I will be able to give it a recommend. I know there's strong feelings out there uh, on the Dragonlance series. So uh, who do you agree with? What do you think? What parts do you love? What parts uh, irritate you, if any? Um, Please send us your thoughts. Uh, You can email us, Podcast at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page. Hey, just put a question on anything there we will respond to it we will get it on the show
1: yeah hit up facebook just search dungeons and dweebs we'll pop up there with the same icon you're seeing on your podcast window right now hey over on the twitters we are at d and dweebs feel free to tweet at us i i'm constantly throwing out just random crap and random stats about the podcast (laughs) uh we want to hear from you guys. Uh, we, we're, we're enjoying the love that the Dragonlance community is throwing towards us right now, and it is unbelievable.
3: Right. We're seeing the download numbers. We know there's lots of listeners out there. We want to hear from you. So Please. So drop, drop us a line. We, we we want to hear from you. Believe me, we do not offend easily. <laughs>
1: well, hey, we, we got our final thoughts out. My drink's empty. The night's growing late. Hey, why don't we settle up our tab... Out
2: of here. All All right. Right. Hey this. Hey! Hey! What did you call her? <laughs> I gotta get to right. Put that down.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeons and Dweebs. There's even more adventuring to be had at our website, DungeonsAndDweebs.com. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at Dweebs podcast at gmail.com. You can also find Dungeons and Dweebs on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Find all those links at DungeonsAndDweebs.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. The music for Dungeons & Dweebs is Fatal Fight by Royalty Free Kings. And can be found on their website, RoyaltyFreeKings.com. Dungeons & Dweebs is a Tim Gilbert Media production. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. And no part of this show can be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the
2: express written permission of Tim Gilbert Media.